your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. seen a lot of losing. O'Neal again out to left. He's got his second tonight. Newtbar, base hit in the center, and the game is tied at three. Lars Newtbar. Base hit. The Cardinals will win it. Goldie comes through. The Cardinals walk off the Cubs. And this one drilled out to center. Bader back, racing back, and that's gone. It's a grand slam, Trace Thompson. Line drive, base hit, left field for Carlson. O'Neal scores, so does Edmund. Carlson held up between first and second, but he gives St. Louis the lead. In the air, center field, Bader back, turning and looking, out of here. Ian Happ has given him the lead. Tommy Edmund, get up, baby, get up. It's a leadoff homer for Tommy Edmond. And that's for you, Mr. Shannon. Base hit up the middle. And Duffy with the knock. Schwindel coming in to score. And the Cubs have the lead. It's now 3-2. Well, it was a series loss to the Chicago Cubs over the weekend. But that doesn't matter. The Cardinals pull out a 90-win season and are headed to the wild card game on Wednesday. Good morning, everyone, and welcome Kerr and Smallman. No, I am not Randy Carricker or Michelle Smallman. They both are out today. They will be back with us tomorrow. Don't turn off the radio, though, because I got two great ones in studio. I got Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic and, of course, our good bar buddy Mark Saxon here today with us to talk plenty of Cardinals and plenty of Blues. How can you lose a series to the Cubs at the end of the regular season and not make the playoffs? Now you go into the offseason. This is going to be. You going to oh, start like that, Jared? Oh, they're going to the playoffs. JR just coming out firing. You're going to start just like that, just <laughs> spewing the hot takes early. Huh? I'm still looking for the two great ones. Where, where are they? <laughs> they're here. They're oh, here. Well, oh, three okay. great ones. We got Emily oh. Butcher here as well, taking care of business. There's so one great one. We're holding things down for you today here on Carriker and Smallman. Let's start with that, boys. You can start with the Cardinals finishing off their regular season. A one and two series against the Chicago Cubs. One game that was called because of rain. And I know that frustrated some people, but it is what it is. But look, that wasn't the focus. A series wasn't the focus against the Cubs. It was frankly getting the job done in terms of getting guys reps and getting set for this Dodgers series on Wednesday and finding out that it was actually going to be the Dodgers. And Mark, we'll start with this for you. 
you know now that it's Adam Wainwright versus Max Scherzer. They did everything that they could to make sure that these guys are ready to play against this Dodgers team. And I think despite losing two against the Cubs, still feels like this team's rare to go for a wild card game starting on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, this this entire series had no bearing on anything. And it, everybody knew that, right? But it was still, it, and that, it, that was a great thing in a lot of ways. It allowed them to sort of step aside and really give Mike Shannon kind of the send-off yep. he deserved. I mean, I've been listening to that guy since I was five years old. <laughs> and so have you guys, and so is Emily. All the, no matter what demographic you're from, right? So that's cool. Um, and it did allow them to see Jack Flaherty and to see Dakota Hudson, to see what kind of weapons those guys could be for however long this postseason run goes. Um, but I, there wasn't a lot of bearing in those games. There wasn't much to look at. I mean, yes, yeah, Sosa's health is kind of, but in a one-game series, you don't know. You know, Edmundo Sosa going to be a huge improvement over Paul DeYoung. You never know. Paul DeYoung could hit the game-winning home run in that game. He probably has a little more power than Edmundo Sosa. So there wasn't a lot to glean from that series. It was just for me a lot of fun and kind of, um, it's just a Cubs series and huge crowds and just a fun right. Cardinals-Cubs series. I, I think it could not have played out any. More more perfectly talking about the last 25 games you win 17 in a row the uh, the loss comes I think at a perfect time let's get it over with move forward like you said Mark uh, you're able to do some things this past weekend rest Yachty uh, mm-hmm. with his injury and then Flaherty gets into a game you give Mike his proper send off and would you win 21 out of your last 25 yeah. it, so I don't think anything could have played out any more perfectly no it really couldn't and look there was a checklist for me going into this weekend of what I wanted to see before this Dodger series one was kind of Dakota Hudson and Jack Flaherty and and frankly on the latter portion of that Jack Flaherty looks like somebody who will be a part of this wild card roster because he's a weapon for him but Dakota Hudson Mike Schilt found a weapon in terms of a starter I mean Dakota Hudson's basically proven himself that that he should be in that rotation if they get past this wild card game and the other thing was the health of Edmundo Sosa and Yadi Molina You, you saw them in the game but you wanted to see them back to back right you wanted to make sure that Sosa's wrist was okay that Yadi was healthy and ready to go you wanted to see those reps and Saxy getting both of those guys in back to backs getting Dakota Hudson and frankly they got reps for the bench too Jose Rondon comes up with a big hit you also see Matt Carpenter come into the box a couple of times you got guys basically getting those reps so that when they are utilized in a wild card game against the Dodgers if they're utilized they all have those last couple of at-bats to be fresh for them. Right, and plus two more days off to rest up. And, and you know, two days off for a baseball, a professional baseball player at this time of year is almost like it's a... It's like a, an off-season. A, a, for us, that's like a three-month vacation. That's <laughs> like, you know, we're in Bermuda for the next three months. You know, call me in uh, January or something. For those guys, it feels like, you know, like recuperation. You know, they play every day for six months, right? So they get two days off. It's a, it's a big... Uh, boon for them now what's interesting to me about this wild card game is it's just all hands on deck Mm -hmm. and so you see crazy things that managers do if if max scherzer gets you know gives up a run and has a few a couple more base runners they might pull him early you don't know adam wainwright same thing um it's Johnny Holstaff, right? So they're going to have Julio Arias available to come off, you know, come out of the bullpen. People may not realize how good Julio Arias is. He's yeah. a Cy Young, young contender on that team. He's going to be in the pen. The Cardinals going to have Flaherty, Dakota Hudson. It's going to be crazy. But for me, the thing to, that I come away from this weekend is just October, what an incredible sports month it is. Think about this week, there's going to be something amazing on TV pretty much every night, mm-hmm. you know, depending how you feel about Monday Night Football tonight. <laughs> we got the, the, the Red Sox-Yankees tomorrow night. Cardinals, 
Dodgers. Incredible rivalry, I think, with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Hugely underrated rivalry. If you grew up in this town, you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the ride. And, Alex, the other thing I think that played out perfectly, you and I have covered the Blues. There's been a lot of seasons where the end of the regular season, you still don't quite know who your opponent's going to be. Yeah. And, sure, the Cardinals knew it was going to be the Dodgers or the Giants, but you didn't know until yesterday, right, until everything played out. And so, you know, they haven't been sitting around for a week and a half knowing that they're going to play a specific team. So yesterday, you find out it's the Dodgers. You know it's going to be Scherzer. You say, okay, 48 hours, we'll be ready to go. I think yesterday with that crystallizing who their opponent's going to be, now, as Mark said, they get that two days off, which seems like an eternity. Let's go face Scherzer. And I I know that Schilt was asked about facing Scherzer. He said, look, we've got a lot of experience against him. I think they're as tuned up and ready to go as you can be. Yeah, they do have experience against Max Scherzer. This season against the uh, the starter for the L.A. Dodgers, he went 1-0. Nope, sorry, 2-0. Two games started, didn't give up a run, had 22 strikeouts against the Cardinals. So, <laughs> has some success <laughs> against them. It's some experience That's against experience. them. Now, you could look at that however you would like to, but hey, Mike Schilt is the uh, prototypical Mr. Positivity, <laughs> so he's going to go off of that. But, you know, I was thinking about that as well. Max Scherzer against the the uh, the Nationals, or Max Scherzer with the Nationals against the Cardinals back in 2019. We all remember that one as well, when seven innings had 11 strikeouts against the Cardinals. He's undefeated in wild card games in his career. But what you said, Jr. There is the beauty of for, for the beauty for baseball and the beauty for Cardinals is they knew who they were going to face in terms of a starting pitcher once they knew that they had that wild card spot, right? If it was the San Francisco Giants, it was going to be Kevin Gossman. If it was the Dodgers, it was going to be Max Scherzer unless that game 163 was forced to place. So as soon as that final score took place yesterday, the Cardinals had all of their prep ready to go because they knew, okay, it's Max Scherzer, it's Mookie Betts, it's the top of the lineup for this Dodgers team. Let's get the prep work in rather than what we've seen in the past where you have to wait to find out until that wild card game is played. Yeah, I think they clinched at almost the perfect time because, like you said, Jr., they pretty much had a good idea it was going to be the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, the the Giants had they lost a couple of games would have would have maybe forced that one game playoff. But it's kind of been looking like the Dodgers for a while. There's not that much, I think, preparation that needs to go into it. They know these teams well enough at this point. Um, uh, but on the other hand, they're able to sort of line their pitching up the way they want it. They they get these little looks at, at Flaherty and Hudson. What are they going to be for us? And and I don't think that Max Scherzer is unbeatable in this game. I really don't. And I think if you look at one area of his statistic that maybe is a little bit susceptible, he, he will give up some home runs. Even this season, he will give up some home runs because he's a fastball pitcher. He attacks. He likes to get ahead before he breaks out that slider. There might be a pitch to hit. I think the whole game could, could hinge on can they get one good swing off against a Scherzer fastball and maybe pop one out and maybe make things look a little different than everyone else in the country is expecting, right? This feels like one of those games, JR, where when they score the first run, speaking of the Cardinals, it puts the pressure on the Dodgers, right? And that's always what happens in wildcard games. They usually turn out to be low scoring. It's rare you see a 9-8 to eight final score in a wildcard game unless things just go drastically wrong. But optimism going into this one you have to feel pretty good about a Cardinals offense going against this Max Scherzer and the Dodgers from what Tyler O'Neill has done you heard Danny Mack on the call courtesy of Valley Sportsman West he's been not just a Cubs killer but he's been a Dodgers killer he's been a Pittsburgh Pirates killer. he's been pretty much go through every team that he's played against since the end of August he's found a way to dominate that hit or that pitcher same with Paul Goldschmidt you have Tommy Edmond now at the top of the lineup starting to turn things around 
you feel pretty positive about this offense going up against Scherzer, even though he has been dominant all season long. Yeah, look, the Dodgers are a world championship team, right? It's Max Scherzer. We've known that for a while, that that's who they were going to face if they went against the Dodgers. Look, on Thursday, we could be talking about Scherzer 10K, 10Ks. <laughs> it was a tough game for the Cardinals. Look, the 17-game winning streak was fun, but mm-hmm. you know they blew out in, in the wild card game. But like to Mark's point here, you know, if you get into a game like this and say there's a Dodger error in the fourth inning, now all of a sudden you start to think to yourself, gosh, is this Cardinal thing for real? Do they really have this late season magic? Well, now Tyler O'Neill hits a homer off Scherzer, like you said, susceptible. And now all of a sudden people start to think, well, this is some momentum for the Cardinals. So I just right. think that it's one game. So Mark said it earlier, you know, anything can happen and it's all hands on deck. So once that little ounce of doubt, I think, comes out, in the game, the Cardinals have been playing the type of game where they just pounce on it, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you're winning six to two. Yeah, and you think about this game is at five o'clock in LA, right? The fans are going to be de- think about the traffic they're going to mm-hmm. be dealing with on a Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon, Fantastic. trying to get to Dodger Stadium at the intersection of the ten, the one ten, the five, <laughs> the, all these things. So. It's going to be half full at the beginning. So the, the the formula, if I'm the Cardinals, pop one early if you can. Get a 3 nothing lead, 2 nothing lead. Take 50,000. By the time the fans arrive, you want them to be sitting down, <laughs> shut up. and Chugging you know, beers. Yeah, sadly sipping their beer the rest <laughs> of the game. I mean, I, I'm not – that it's not hugely likely. But, again, that's right. the scenario you want. You want to take – they have a stadium that holds 55,000 people. You want to take them out of the game as soon as you can. And if you look at the way that the Cardinals played really in the month of September, but on that streak that they were on, I mean, they were notorious for scoring in the first mm-hmm. inning. So it'll be a it'll be a big uh, big hopefully point of view for these guys to get it at Max Scherzer early. Mark Saxon, Jeremy Rutherford, I'm Alex Ferrario. We are all sitting in for Carriker and Smallman this morning. Air Comfort Service text line is 65780 and the Rhino Shield mic drops on the 101 ESPN app. And we want to hear your mic drops this morning because I have a question that I want to hear what Saxy and Rutherford have to say as well. Not to be Debbie Downer here, because look, I'm the ultimate optimist. We all know this. That's not true, JR. What's your biggest concern going into this wild card game against the Dodgers? Is it Max Scherzer? Is it what Saxy said of Julio Urias coming out of the bullpen? Is it the top of the lineup for the Dodgers? We want to hear from you. Your biggest concern of this wild card series going into this game against the Dodgers. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop. We'll get to that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I think so. I mean, you know, we've got some history with, with Max in the sense that we we faced him, you know, a couple years ago um, in Washington. We faced him, you know, when he's um, when he's pitched against us in the regular season. Again, we had playoff experience with him last year. And I, I believe we faced him three times in spring training this year. It just lined up to where, you know, like Carlos lined up with the Mets. We kind of lined up um, seeing him quite a bit. So um, there's familiarity there. Plus, he's been in the league for a long time and had a nice, you know, a really special career. You know, he's, 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 um, he's a really good pitcher, but um, he's had a nice career. But that also allows us to have experiences with him. That's the manager, Mike Schilt, talking of probably the biggest concern for a lot of Cardinals fans going into this series, uh, Max Scherzer with Jeremy Rutherford and Mark Saxon. I'm Alex Ferrario. I, when listening to that soundbite, I didn't hear it live, so I heard it when you guys played it yeah. earlier. 
I'm glued to every word thinking, oh, my God, what's he going to say next? What's the next clause that's going to come out of his mouth? Is it going to be, and we've had some success against him, is he going to put the bulletin board material up? Is is he really going to say they've done well against him in spring training? And and Scherzer's going to come out on the mound going, spring training, watch this. (laughs) Well, and that's where I want to get off of this. And look, you can send us the Air Comfort Service text on at 65780. Rhino Shield Mike drops on the 101 ESPN app because I'm sure there's more than what we're going to discuss right here. That's my number one concern. What JR just said, Saxy, the fact that Max Scherzer, who basically plays like Michael Jordan, right? I mean, he grunts like Serena Williams on the mound when he throws, but yet he has that mentality of wanting to get somebody back that didn't select him when he was an 18 year old in the draft or didn't talk to him in free agency. Max Scherzer's the kind of guy who creates that bulletin material. And I'm worried that that is what's going to set that for the Cardinals of Mike Schiltz saying, oh, yeah, look, we've had success against Max Scherzer. By the way, they haven't like at least this year, 22 strikeouts, two and oh, didn't allow a run when he was with the Dodgers. And then in 19, he went seven innings with the Nationals and shut them down in the NLCS. I think that's my number one concern is you're going to get a very ticked off Max Scherzer. But that's experience. <laughs> is it experience? No, I'm <laughs> the funny, I'm thinking about like this bulletin board material, right? And his whole family lives here. He went to Parkway Central. He's a Chesterfield guy. Yeah. So I envision them like driving around this morning here. JR, like, we just played the show. This ain't spring training, buddy. You better get ready for a different Max Scherzer. So, if, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about who are you concerned about in this wild, of course you're concerned about Max Scherzer. Right. He's one of the greatest pitchers of the last 50 years. He's won three Cy Youngs. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He, he's incredibly good. Of course you're concerned. But for me, what scares me about this Dodgers team is just the depth they throw at you. Mm-hmm. Now, losing Max Muncy is enormously important, right? Over the long haul for the Dodgers. Is it in this one game? I don't know. Is Cody Bellinger going to play first? They're going to slide some other. The Dodgers do this whole thing where everybody can play every position. That's their whole thing, right? We're going to move guys around to create these great matchups. So what they try to do is just keep coming at you with with waves of talent. And Again, if Scherzer goes six, if he goes seven, who do they bring in? You know, I don't think it'll be Kenley Jansen. They have, you know, some really interesting decisions to make there. But so does Mike Schilt. He's all hands on deck too. Right. What does what does Flair to become? Does he is he the fi- does he put out the fire if you get base runners on? Is that Dakota Hudson because he's got the sinker? You can get a ground ball. There's a whole lot of they they need to strategize about what everybody's role is for this specific game, and that's a different kind of exercise than they do typically because it's about a strategy of games or about a season of games. It's a very different kind of exercise for baseball teams. I yeah, think. going back to the Schilt soundbite just for a second, I'm thinking of Max Scherzer listening to it, thinking, <laughs> that spring training, I was working on my cutters the whole game. <laughs> I like, threw I was in 80 cutters. Yeah. That's all. Dude, I don't even remember we played the Well, Cardinals. he said, too, he's like, if I'm not mistaken, Max Scherzer's probably like, you are mistaken. We never pitched against you in the winter spring training. But, of course, Mike Schilt with that one. But I think my biggest concern is this. Look, if you break it down, you're not concerned about Wainwright, right? Is he going to pitch a gem? We don't know, but he's yeah. not going to blow up, most likely. You're not concerned about your defense. You guys have mm-hmm. mentioned Scherzer, so we'll stay away from that for a second. To me, it's the Cardinals' bats. That's been a huge story the past couple months, and obviously throughout this long winning streak, and the home runs, the long balls. Just mm-hmm. Who would have ever predicted that that's what we would watch from this team at the plate heading down the stretch? So, you know, we've watched a ton of 
playoff baseball here over the last 20, 30 years. You get into this game, this one gar- cart, this one game wild card game, and all of a sudden it's the fourth inning and the Cardinals have struck out seven times. Mm-hmm. You get into the sixth inning and it's three nothing Dodgers. You need a long ball and it's not there where it's been for the past month and a half. So this has been super impressive what they've been able to do uh, at the plate and just. Forgetting about Scherzer for a second, yeah. regardless of who the pitcher is, it's just seeing those Cardinals bats go quiet. That's what's kind of worrisome to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and and I think that's going to be a main one. And we got a lot on the Air Comfort Service text on it, 65780. We'll get to that one you just mentioned, JR. But I want to go back to Saxe's point that from the 314. My biggest concern is not being able to get through this lineup the first time if you're Adam Wainwright. Now, they did lose Max Muncy, who, if you missed it yesterday in the game for the Dodgers, he looked like he got his elbow hit when he was at first base. Really a weird throw from Walker Bueller where Mm. it went behind him, the runner Mm. runs into him. Muncy, according to Dave Roberts, is not going to be in this wild card game. Now, we've seen stranger things happen, but at least from that, we're going off the manager's point of view. You take out their number three hitter, which is is a big, big hit for them. But you still have Trey Turner leading things off, one of the best hitters in the game today. You still have Mookie Betts, who made you pay a lot in the regular season. But then you take Max Muncie out. It's just it's like you cut off one head, three more come up, right? Because you got to worry about Cody Bellinger if he finds a way to turn it on in the playoffs. You got to worry about Justin Turner, worry about Chris Taylor. Hell, I can go through the entire Dodgers bench, and you're concerned about every single player plugging and playing in some type of scenario, Saxy. Yeah, and I agree with JR. It's, the scrutiny for me will be on the offense because you did see him hit whatever 50-something home runs in the months of September, which was totally out of character from the rest of the season. You just saw guys just step up and get it done. I mean, you saw Arenado, O'Neill, and Goldschmidt get incredibly hot at the same time. Now, you won't necessarily see that kind of you know, hitting in a, in a game where you're going to be facing good pitchers throughout, no matter what happens in the game, right? But what what they also have shown, I think, is really good at bats. Tyler O'Neill's gotten some absolutely crucial singles mm-hmm. in the last month. All of those guys have. You're seeing them have just really good at bats. You know, fall behind 0-2, and then you look up and it's 3-2, and they're following away pitches, making the pitcher frustrated. All those things. That's, I think, what you need to see against a Max Scherzer, and I think. I just do think you see more than in, in really in three or four years for this Cardinals team, you see a little more length, a little more depth in that lineup that we just haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, and Saxy, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, when I watch teams at the plate, everything looks contagious. And so what mm-hmm. we've seen the past month, month and a half is, you know, guy steps up home run. Oh, now we got back to back. Oh, now it's new bar. You know, now it's this right, guy. Right. And so I think it is also contagious looking at it from the other perspective. You know, Scherzer throws that cutter that he spent all spring training working on against the Cardinals <laughs> that one day. Right. And, and all of a sudden he's sitting <laughs> three down. Three times, I think. Yeah. Three starts and three nothing. <laughs> now all of a sudden he's sitting down three straight guys. Now it's a third inning. He can't get any traction for the Cardinals offense. So I think it can be contagious just like we've seen it this past couple months. Speaking of the Cardinals offense, should it be a concern at all? Because I have seen another text on the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. My concern are the Cardinals batters being too aggressive early on. And we just mentioned 11 strikeouts against the, the, the Max Scherzer when he was with the Nationals in the wild card game. Or I'm sorry, in the NLCS. 22 against him so far. We've talked about how you might need to try and get on him on him early in this game in L.A. 
Should that be a concern of these guys being too aggressive at the plate, Taxi? Because we've seen in the past, they go up first, first strike swing, and sometimes that works in their favor. It's so funny to hear that because for so long we, we heard people say, I'm so sick of these guys taking first pitch Watching strikes. Watching 10 right pitches before they the do something. That's, that's uh, Jeff Albert. It's his fault. Analytics and all this stuff. But actually against a Max Scherzer, to me, I would be more concerned about the opposite. This is a guy who's going to get ahead. Max Scherzer doesn't mess around. He's not yeah. out there to get to three and Great two. Yeah. yeah, he's not out there to get to three and two and then maybe induce a ground ball. He's coming at you, man. It's going to be, he wants 0-2 and then here comes the nasty slider in the dirt. So I think I think they need to be ready early in the count and I think they need to maybe, again, ambush a pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking to get ahead. It's a hitter he doesn't really have that much concern with. It might be a surprising guy. It might be at a Mundo Sosa. It might be Tommy Edmond, he tries to get ahead, throws one a little too good. Bam, there it goes, and you get you get a little breathing room. Um, but uh, here's what I'm – we're going to break down this game ad nauseum, and oh, that's yeah. what we do, and it makes it exciting, and everyone should do that. But my experience in playoff baseball, especially one game – we have no oh, idea no. <laughs> yeah. what is going to happen on Wednesday. Something like totally chaotic or unexpected, a bad bounce happens, and suddenly chaos breaks out. Right. So you just have to watch it play out. Yeah, and to your point a minute ago, just uh, yeah, it doesn't mean you don't work the count. It doesn't mean that you don't battle. It just means that put yourself in a good position, and being down 0-2 against Scherzer isn't a good position. And and they've look, they've been aggressive. That's the approach they've had here recently. So I think it's going to be even more important, like Zach, he says against a pitcher like that. Here's the one we've all been waiting for, guys, from the 5-7-3. What if Pujols hits a three-run bomb to break the Cardinals' hearts? <laughs> you know in the back of every Cardinals fan's mind, that's got to be a concern, right? That pinch hit opportunity for Pujols turns into, oh, great, that's what that's what seals the deal, doesn't it? Pinch hit opportunity in the lineup with Max <laughs> Muncy out. Look, we've been watching this movie play out for the last year. It doesn't work out in Anaheim. He goes to L.A. Now Muncy gets hurt. The game, the, the the matchup is set between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Right. I can already see him coming no. up to plate in a crucial situation. JR, the storyline is that he gets disappointed, is heartbroken by the Cardinals on this World Series favorite Dodgers team, and then he says, you know what, I'll come back for one more ride, wins a World <laughs> Series next year with the Cardinals. That's the Disney version. Yours was like <laughs> yours was like the apocryphal, like post-apocalypse. <laughs> yours is the, the Martin Scorsese version. version of it. <laughs> he's Mark Saxon, he's Jeremy Rutherford, I'm Alex Ferrario. Please keep sending in your Rhino Shield mic drops on the 101 ESPN app. We'll be taking those all morning long. Also, Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. Let's get into a little hockey conversation because the Blues had some action over the weekend as well against the Blackhawks. As Mark Saxon said, you really don't know what's going to happen in a wildcard game. Well, I can tell you, you really don't know what Doug Armstrong is going to do with this roster because there are some intense battles going for, the, going for those final spots. We'll dive into that next year on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford and Mark Saxon. I am Alex Ferrario. We all are sitting in for Carriker and Smallman. They are out today. They will be back with you tomorrow. It is 7.35. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So the Blues with a 
series against the Chicago team as well over the weekend in preseason action. They played Friday against the Chicago Blackhawks. They won that game. Saturday against the Chicago Blackhawks in Independence, Missouri. They lost that game, but there were a couple of notables that came away from that game on Friday, and this is a big one. Tarasenko makes the play. Nice job to Thomas. He's got the red line. They draw the hooking penalty. Neighbors to the empty net. He scores. And an empty net goal for Jake Neighbors, who we were just talking about, makes it 6-3 to three with a minute 32 to go in the third period. Well, and just talking about them from Chris Kerber, of course, on the broadcast, you're talking about this guy because, well, frankly, he has been one of the most notable players in preseason so far. Uh, the former first-round draft pick from 2020 draft for the Blues. I believe he's, what, 19, 19 years old, years old. He's played five or four seasons in junior hockey. It would be his fifth season if he went back because he's not eligible for the American Hockey League yet. He has been the most notable player from preseason that, to me, has shown that he's going to get a roster spot, which makes things a lot more difficult because that means an NHL guy is not going to get a spot. Yeah, Alex, to me, the two headlines in camp have been Jake Neighbors and Scott Prinovich, but you kind of kind of expected it from Scott Prinovich. We knew a little bit more about him, you know, winning the Hobie Baker and, and being a guy who won a couple national championships at Duluth. Jake Neighbors, you don't know much about. He comes in and you hear good things, but to watch him play, Alex, he, he just does a little bit of everything. And I think he's, you know, a Craig Bruby type player where he gets in on the forecheck. He plays physical, but he also goes to the net and makes plays. He's done a very good job with some of these veteran players. So to me, he looks really mature for 19 years old. His game does. And, and to me, he's in this mix. Now, does he get the nine game trial and then they send him back to junior? Does he stick for the whole year? Uh, do they give him this opportunity? I think he has forced their hand. They have to give him this opportunity. I, I do too. And I think when you look at a guy like this who who could play a third line role because he's got offensive upside, we could play a fourth line role, plays the forechecker situation. It, it creates interesting competition here because, you know, coming into this camp, you assumed a guy like Mackenzie McEachern had a spot on this NHL roster, right? A one-way deal, a fourth-line guy who matches the system with no Sunquist. You assume he's going to be there. Well, I think a play from like a guy like Jake Neighbors says, Man, not so much because you can basically give this Jake Neighbors a nine-game opportunity to improve himself and say, no, I deserve to be here. But there's another guy who keeps this competition going, and it's the former NHLer James Neal. Has a hat trick in his first preseason game. Hasn't scored in his last two. But, man, he's been noticeable because he's coming up with scoring opportunities and his line is creating scoring opportunities. Yeah, James Neal, a great game in uh, Independence, Missouri. Craig Bruby singled him out after the game. Just played uh, with a lot of intensity, and I think he's done that for most of this uh, camp. And, you know, you would, wouldn't expect anything differently. He's here on a tryout, 34 years old, trying to uh, prolong his career. So to me, Alex, you look at it, the Blues have 11 forwards who I think are set in stone. And now let's look at this group of about six guys fighting for what could be three spots. I have James James Neal, Dakota Joshua, Froelich, McEachern, Costin, and Neighbors. For those who don't know, Costin left the game in independence early, upper body injury, took a hit behind the net. You know, could it be concussion related? But uh, if he's on the sideline, that drops it down to about five guys. But I think what it's shaping up to look like right now is perhaps Neal does get signed, and we're not there yet. But just the way he's playing and with the opportunity here, he could get signed. I think you give neighbors that nine-game trial at least. And then while Sunquist is out and he's skating and, and, and you know mixing in with the team here and there, perhaps you let Dakota Joshua stay here for the time being, see what he looks like. So to me, that could be how it shapes up. Uh, McKenzie McEachern 
just hasn't done anything, mm-hmm. I don't think, to open any eyes. And even though he's on that one-way deal, making 900000 it just doesn't look like there's a spot for him. Well, and see, the difference between Mackenzie McEachern and Kyle Clifford is Kyle Clifford has Stanley Cup championship experience. Kyle Clifford plays a role that... The players talked about in the offseason that they wanted in a locker room, somebody who can kind of maintain a force on the ice when he's out there. And Mackenzie McEachern just hasn't been able to establish himself as that yet. So, uh, first of all, it's depth, but the problem is he's one way. And the other guy that I didn't even mention with you, JR, and the reason why I do think Mackenzie McEachern might not have a spot is Logan Brown. Logan Brown's played penalty kill minutes, he's played power play minutes, might be a fourth line role player as well. And when you're six foot six, it's hard for a coach to sit here and be like, no, nah, there's not a spot on you on our roster for you. Yeah. And I should have mentioned Brown in that I, group I, I of guys. I completely forgot of him. Yeah. yeah he, I think he's in the mix, but I think it's a situation where he's kind of new, new to the organization. You know, the trade just happened with, with Ottawa. You know, when you talk to Craig Bruby, he, he mentioned a couple times, I just don't know that much about him, even though they've seen him here uh, in the preseason. So, you know, this isn't, anything to slight Logan Brown, but maybe his opportunity comes a month or two into the season if there's injuries or guys aren't performing well. Uh, I just think that with the situation they have right now with neighbors, with Neil, with Dakota Joshua playing pretty well, that Logan Brown might get some time in the American It's Hockey internal League. competition. And, Saxe, you've seen this from the baseball <laughs> side as well, right? Like, internal competition always seems to make a roster better. When you have guys competing for spots, rather than just the clear-cut, oh, this guy works in this spot— and nobody else behind him. A great example is Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa, right? Mm-hmm. You get some competition, it starts to work in their favor. You're going to get that with this hockey season, which I think is crucial for this team. I like how Alex felt guilty because I was like just sitting here. I did. Here with I did. Let's try to rope the baseball <laughs> well, guys. Did you like how I tied them together, though, Saxy? <laughs> yes, like, come on, man. Brilliant. I was able to put them both together. Well, just, I'm sitting here listening to JR, and I'm thinking, that's exactly what you want as a team. You want the young guys pushing so the veterans are nervous, right? You don't want these guys sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I don't have anything to worry about. I mean, I got a spot. I got a roster spot. I got my six hundred grand coming in this year. I'm happy. <laughs> you want them to be worried about this young guy who's hungry as hell to take their job, and it sounds like they do have some young guys. What I love at hockey is how young some of these guys are. 19- yep. and 20-year-olds are already making their move, right? I mean, it's incredible. Um, but I do want to ask my usual brilliant hockey question, and that is, Jake Neighbors, no relation whatsoever to Jim Neighbors, well, a.k.a. Gomer Pyle, I hope. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no relation that I know of. It would okay. be a great story Different if it spelling. were true. Yeah. Okay. Is it right. sad that I, one, knew who he was talking about, but two, don't know much about who he was talking about? <laughs> Gomer Pyle makes Emily, sense that's to me. lost on. Yeah. Emily, do you have an idea who Gomer Pyle is? No. Okay. Okay, good. I, I at least know who it is because my parents used to call me Gomer Pyle when I was young. I'm like, what does that mean? And I watched the video. I'm like, oh, that's a little mean. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> good imitation there. No, and, and I think he does factor in, and I think he is pushing guys. I mean, he's definitely uh, pushing even a guy like James Neal who's in here on a tryout. You know, does he not make the team because of the 19-year-old? Uh, Jake Neighbors. And and so to me, the other thing, Alex, we have to factor into this, this forward conversation, Mm -hmm. is I think the Blues need a guy who can play in that top nine. So you're not going to, you know, keep a guy who's probably a prototypical fourth guy, a grinder, because they've got some depth down there who you're going to keep up 
the lineup on a regular basis. So to me, you know, if James Neal can fill in a spot on that left side in the top nine, if it's Jake Neighbors, whether it's nine games or the, or the whole season, mm-hmm. I think they're still missing that type of guy. And so I think that's going to come into play with this decision. Well, real quick, before we get to take it or leave it, and you can send us your take it or leave it to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. You talk about the line combinations, and we've seen combinations that have been impressive for us, like Piran O'Reilly and Cairo. I've liked that pairing. I really enjoyed Tarasenko with Thomas and Saad, but then you get to Shannon Buchnevich and you look at that left side and you're like, okay, well, who fits here? We've seen Neighbors play there. Neighbors has looked good with Braden Shen. We've seen Logan Brown play there. Hasn't played out in his favor, but look, he was only here for one game. Ivan Barbashev and James Neal. I think you have three guys right now who can play in that spot. And as deep as the forward group is, it's deep for your fourth line. It's not deep for your second or third line where those scoring opportunities are presenting themselves, which is why Jake Neighbors has made a spot for him because he's creating offense as a guy who plays like a, a four checker. Yeah. And to me, that's an issue. It might be a minor issue, but I think you need somebody to play on that left side who can actually help that line. I think we've seen the past couple of years, you know, no disrespect to Zach Sanford, but when you're forced to play Sanford on that line with O'Reilly and Perron, you know, think about the points that were left on the board in those situations. So I, I do think the Blues have a ton of depth. As Mark says, you know, it's great, you know, in terms of pushing these guys. Uh, But I think when push comes to shove and they settle this roster, they're going to have to find a guy who can play on that left side and make plays with whatever line he's on. Blues got three more preseason games, one tomorrow, one Wednesday, and one on Friday. It'll be Tuesday night at 7 o'clock against the Stars. I'll have your pregame starting at 6 here on 101 ESPN. The voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, will join us in about 30 minutes or so. Coming up next, we have our Take It or Leave It segment you can send us your take it or leave it to scenarios to the air comfort service text line at 65780 with jeremy rutherford and mark saxon and emily butcher i'm alex ferrario all filling in for character and smallman here on 101 espm we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn With Jeremy Rutherford and Mark Saxon, I'm Alex Ferrario. It is Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 12 minutes or so, we're going to get into the other wild card and division battles that will be taking place in Major League Baseball. But for now, it is take it or leave it. You can send your scenarios over to us at the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Boys, let's start with this. Take it or leave it. Cardinals versus Dodgers will be a similar type of Game 7. Cardinals versus Phillies. Wainwright versus Scherzer. Carpenter versus Halliday. Saxy, let's start with you. Well, like if, you, if you're a Cardinals fan, that's you're pretty happy with that. Right? Yeah, I mean, you'll I take would, that. I would imagine. Um, I have yeah. tight butt cheeks that whole game, though. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, that was a great Philly team. Um, I think this Dodgers team's probably better, um, just in terms of like you know one through seven or eight. You've got really good hitters to deal with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good comp. I mean, you've got a lot of star power on those two teams, and how do you take them down? You know, you you hang with the great pitcher. I mean. That's that's really what you do. They need Wainwright to match what Max Scherzer does, and then it gives you an opportunity to do something dramatic late. And so, yeah, I'll buy that. I'll take that. Yeah, I'm going to take it, too. And usually things don't work out the way you expect them to, but <laughs> right. it did in that game, right? And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, comparisons drawn going into Wednesday's game. But to me, it's a situation where how can it happen any differently? I mean, these are two great pitchers. Wainwright's not going down without a fight. He's going to try to max uh, Scherzer, no pun intended. There. Nice. And, and uh, nice. Ma- match, I should say. 
say. And uh, I think it's going to be a situation where we are going to see two great pitchers go at it. I'm going to take this as well. And something you said at the open of the show, Saxy, I think shadows are going to play a big mm. impact in this as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you said it's a five o'clock start in yep. LA and we've seen those games before wild card or DS games, Cardinals versus Dodgers. Those shadows suck if you're in the pit in the batter's box. Like you can't see what's coming at you because it's just this overcast right over you, but yet the sun's glaring on the pitcher off of the mound. Interesting point. Yeah. Um, and what a lot of hitters will say is it makes it hard to pick up spin. And you've got two of the best pit best spin pitchers in baseball out there. That could be really a factor. That's an interesting point. Take it or leave it. Scherzer goes eight innings and shuts the Cardinals out, and Pujols hits a solo home. <laughs> Home run I in the bottom you. of the ninth uh, to show Mo to show Mo and the Cardinals they shouldn't have passed on both players twice. Uh, Man, that is super negative. Early you read on my text, that is super negative, Jr. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. I, I think we need to like pin this texter down. Like, <laughs> did you really want the last ten years of Pujols at two hundred twenty-five <laughs> no. million? Okay, so let's like really think this yeah. through. Give me the too. first year of Pujols post Cardinals, and that's it. Because everything <laughs> else has just been really disappointing. Hey, let's uh, let's add to this storyline here. Let's say Pujols does come up in a critical situation in this game, 7th, 8th inning. Are we thinking... Cardinal fans, are you wanting a strikeout? What if he hits one to the track? Uh-huh. New bars going over the fence to haul it back. <laughs> I think they want the strikeout. To answer your question, I would think most Cardinals fans would choose the now Give me over the, strikeout. the nostalgia. Now. Give me the strikeout. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Lars Newt Bar gets the first pinch hit opportunity of the wild card game. Ooh, yeah, I think I'll get the, you know... You know it's so going to be Matt Carpenter. Well, you've Saxie. got Carpenter. You've got Newt Bar. You've got those. Are your two lefty bats. I think Carpenter probably has a little more power, although that's debatable at this stage. Four people just drove off the road. I know, and like they're trying <laughs> to throw stuff at me. I got to watch Olive over here. Um, <laughs> Laz Nupa. I, I I think he could be the first, but I think that might be, and this might make people mad, that might be because they're keeping Carpenter for later in the game for an even oh, bigger pinch hitting spot. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Is this worse than my take on pool? <laughs> no, the pool's almost pretty bad, JR. I'm just trying to get people mad. It's early. It's very unlike the character Smallman approach. Where they're such likable yeah, people. They We're just going to be jerks here all morning. <laughs> that's, that's my shtick on BK and Ferrario. The problem is they don't like BK more than me, so it's okay. I, I'm, I'm taking it, and and I say it for this reason. Doesn't Newtbar have a couple pinch hit home runs this year, right? I believe so. At least two. He does have one, yeah, in the last couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be him because the reason that Saxy said earlier in the show is this is everything. This is yeah. all hand. This isn't a seven-game series. This right. is one game. You put Newtbar up there, give yourself the best chance. Yeah, I wanted to see what his splits are as a pinch hitter so far this season. Uh, three hits and 19 appearances, but he does have a home run and three RBIs. So not great. That but was a big home run. Kind of yeah. comped to, to Matt Carpenter there. I'm going to leave this one because I think it's going to be Paul DeYoung. I think Paul DeYoung is going to get. Now, I guess it's going to depend, obviously, if you got a lefty or righty on the mound. But I, I have a feeling Paul DeYoung is going to be the go-to guy. And a lot of that is going to ride on what he has done since Edmundo Sosa was out. But I do believe Edmundo Sosa is going to be your starting shortstop on Wednesday just because of his defense. There was mm-hmm. a play, I think it was Saturday, it was Saturday or yesterday, where the ball was just over Paul DeYoung's head. And Paul DeYoung just missed it. I mean, by a reach. And I'm watching it and I go, man, Edmundo Sosa makes that play. 
and I find myself doing that a lot now. And that's no disrespect to Paul DeYoung. Edmundo Sosa has just been that much better. So I'm going to leave this. I think Paul DeYoung gets his first pin- the first pinch hit opportunity. Yeah, they're actually. I was thinking about what you just said. They're both actually very good defenders. They're just different kind of defenders. Yeah. I think Paul DeYoung is the kind of guy who really thrives in the modern era of baseball, where the positioning is so good with the spray charts. They know exactly where to put the guy. He doesn't have tremendous range. He's not a superstar athlete. He just makes every play, and he's got a great arm that's hit at him. And Muno Sosa, you're right, is a better athlete. He's faster. He's quicker. He's probably going to have a little more leaping ability, so he does have that edge a little bit. But I I, I just don't view this as that crucial thing because, I, again, I think as bad a year as Paul DeYoung has, and he had a bad year last year, and he had a bad second half the year before that, I think he's capable of doing something. I just think there's a skill set still in there. It wouldn't shock me if he did something in this game. Take it or leave it. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it 618. James Neal played with Perron in Vegas and was a good team player with him on the left side. Take it or leave it. Neal plays with O'Reilly and Perron and has a 20-goal season. It's a nice thought, but I am definitely going to leave that. Oh, you're not going to take this narrative, but you're going to go to the Fools <laughs> one, huh? I'm going to leave He has that. more skin in the game on this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to be careful with these opinions <laughs> a little bit. I can walk away from that Pools thing any minute. <laughs> Feel good about yourself. Somebody's going to play this audio in three months, though. <laughs> I can't do that. But I think it's a situation where, look, he's he's had a great camp, and, and maybe it projects into him making the roster. But to me, he's, you know, you need him to play up the lineup if you're going to have him on the roster, but I don't know that he's that player anymore. Maybe he helps your power play, but to pencil him in on the second line and playing with those two guys and, and getting 20 goals, I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm going to leave this one as well. I don't see 20 goals. I see him testing it. I just don't see him being a 20-goal scorer. Joey said this on the broadcast, and Joey played with him in Pittsburgh when he was a phenomenal player. He scored 40 goals, I think, the one year. And Joey said he's a fluky player. He can be unbeatable in one hockey game and and feel like like no goaltender can stop him but then in the next game you don't even know he's on the ice and i think that i think that calls for a guy who will be in and out of the lineup blues have a deep roster so yeah i'm gonna leave this one i don't think he's gonna make uh 20 goals this season but i could see him playing with o'reilly and perron at some point well, and that shows how old james neal is if joey played with him that's very true <laughs> oh, joey that one will be played back <laughs> that one will be played don't worry we'll save that one joey tells a great story and I apologize, I'm stealing this from him. But when he first got to Pittsburgh and he was playing with the Penguins and Evgeny Malkin, he said Evgeny Malkin didn't know his name. And so he just called him 46 <laughs> in the middle of line rushes. Joey said he was in front of Malkin and Malkin just goes 46. <laughs> go like this is amazing. Now he just calls him number 46. Wait, can I can I? Can I chime in on the yeah. ticket or leave it? Please. Of I'm course gonna, you can. I'm going to leave it because... You're the hockey guy, Because sexy. one of the best commentators in the Midwest, Alex Ferrario, said leave it. And, and my go-to hockey writer <laughs> in the Midwest, one of the really I'd go the the other top way. guys, I'd go the other said way. leave it, I'm leaving it. <laughs> I like it, Sexy. Sexy, you could say you're buying it, and then in six months when the guy's sitting on 22 goals... <laughs> I was the only one right. Yeah, you were, the, you were the guy. Those guys knew nothing. Yes, the, I'm the hockey you're guy. Right. <laughs> You're right. One more for you before we wrap things up and we get into the other wild card and division series battles in baseball. Take it or leave it. Speaking of that forward depth, JR, the forwards for the Blues 
That's as deep as this roster has been in 10 years. Uh, I think that has been said for every training camp in the past 10 years. It's like what? best shape Come of your on. life. <laughs> exactly. He's going to have a career year for how he looks. Exactly. Look, it is a great thought. And yes, there is a ton of depth there. Uh, but I think there are still some question marks. I think there are guys that need to play well. And all it takes is getting three weeks into the season and knock on wood or whatever it is uh, injuries and underperformance and things like that. So, yes, in training camp for the last 10 years, this is <laughs> the most depth I've ever seen on a Blues roster. I think I said that last year going into the season, and then injury after injury happened, and then I found myself two weeks in going, they got no offense. They yeah. got nobody who can score goals on this team. What the hell happened? He's Jeremy Rutherford. He's Mark Saxon. I'm Alex Ferrario. She is Emily Butcher. Thank you so much for the text on the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Keep sending your mic drops on the Rhino Shield Mic Drop 101 ESPN app, talking about your biggest concern going into this wild card game on Wednesday. We'll get into those in around the 9 o'clock hour, but coming up next, it's not just the Cardinals and Dodgers that have an intriguing series in the wild card. It's one in the American League that, to be honest, I was hoping for more chaos, but I think this matches what everyone's expecting. We'll get into that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, will be joining us in about 10 minutes or so. We'll get in his thoughts from the Blues and Blackhawks series in the final week of preseason with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. Mark Saxon here as well. And Alex Ferrario, all three of us filling in on Carriker and Smallman this morning. The duo will be back tomorrow as they are uh, coming back from a Green Bay Packers game. How about that? I didn't know Randy Carrick was a Green Bay Packers fan. He's a sports fan. He but, is a sports fan. And he would not pass up an opportunity to do something but didn't great he, like didn't that. But de- didn't they both dedicate their love to the Miami Dolphins? Well, yeah, is that what it is? Then, then, then they got yes. blown out this weekend, and now they're off the band. <laughs> and, they're switched. and then they said, oh, we got to go to a team who actually knows how to win. Yeah, before I got here, they left that one up to the Twitterverse. They left. Uh, they let the listeners decide who their – I think it was the Bills, the Dolphins – and two other teams. You know, I'm disappointed in Randy that he didn't take the Bills because I would have loved to see Randy jump through a table. Well, they let they let the fans, the listeners. I'm disappointed decide. the fans didn't pick Randy to, to see, be a Bills fan. I would love to see of, him jump through a table. Yeah, I want a video of him playing beer pong up at uh, Lambeau. That would be actually a great video. It'll surface eventually. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come out. Somebody will put it on Twitter pretty soon. Just hang hey, look, time. if Urban Meyer gets on Twitter, Randy Carriker will find a way to get on Twitter doing a little beer pong action. So, Let's get back into the wild card. We already know the first matchup, and it's going to be a fun one on Wednesday night, Cardinals and Dodgers. But before that, look, I for I for one really wanted pure chaos in the American League. I wanted a four-way tie yesterday. I wanted all of these teams to have to play game 163 and then that go into extra innings. I wanted this to go crazy. It didn't work out that way. I believe the Blue Jays were eliminated with a victory. Red Sox won it in the top of the ninth. Yankees won it in the bottom of the ninth. And if I'm not mistaken, the Mariners lost. Yeah, the Mariners lost. Um, the, I don't remember the score. Yeah. The Angels were the ones who eliminated the Angels. Oh, that, yeah. Angels. So the yeah. Angels had a good Come day. On. And the Angels had to win one game at some point. So anyway, tomorrow it's Red Sox and Yankees. And there, there's so much history with those two teams. We can talk about that. But for an American League game, I, selfishly, I really wanted to see Toronto because I wanted to see Vlad Guerrero right. Jr. in this. The whole country did. I know. Yeah. But I really Both am countries. looking forward. <laughs> 
both countries. Very good. Yeah, other than Connecticut, Massachusetts, <laughs> and Stay the state away. of the New York. Dakotas, maybe. The Dakotas, maybe. <laughs> Boston and New York. Like, New York underperformed this season, especially the, the the acquisition that they had at the trade deadline of Anthony Rizzo and Jolie Gallo. Boston has been a really fun team to watch this year. That's going to be a really fun matchup that I think is going to be another. I don't know if that's going to be a pitching duel as much as it's going to be an offensive outburst. Um, Emily and I both worked at ESPN, so I'm going to tell you something. That game's on ESPN Tuesday night. The executives at ESPN, when they saw it was going to be Red Sox, Yankees, and a winner-take-all, were probably doing backflips. They probably bought a trampoline, and we're all jumping up and down like (laughs) four-year-olds celebrating. Do you know how many people are going to be watching this game? How historic it is when the Red Sox play the Yankees in a one one game elimination game, <laughs> Bucky freaking Dent, all that stuff. Now they just want this fist thrown. That game is insane. I mean, I you can't. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna take my eyes off that game. And I agree with you. It, the Yankees are going to try to mash their way to that to to that that win, and then go on from there. Nobody wants to play those guys, but I I think it's a fantastic match. The, the the executives there were just praying that it wasn't Toronto versus Seattle in the in the wild card game. Like, please don't. Although Vlad Guerrero is going to bring in a lot of people, and they're going to get a lot of Canadian watchers as well. But they were really hoping that it was the Yankees Red Sox. I'm with you on that one. The winner, like 60 million people in that little corridor of the. Of the it's unbelievable. Yeah, the numbers just always are through the roof when those two teams play against each other in a one-game wild card. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that one. Winner of those two will take on the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League Division Series. Of course, the Dodgers and Cardinals winner will take on the Giants. You got the Braves and the Brewers, and I know everyone watched the Brewers this season and saw them just put up unreal numbers from the pitching side and go on and win the Central Division, which was supposed to be a difficult division to win. I'm not sold on Milwaukee in this series. Like, Atlanta had to fight up to the final game because the Phillies were kind of on their tails. Milwaukee hasn't had to fight for anything in, the what, the last month, month and a half? Like, I, I think the Braves are going to come away with this series. Yeah, I, I, I've thought, you know, even when the Braves were playing poorly in the first half, I thought that was like a sleeping giant. They just have a lot of talent on that team. People don't realize how good Austin Riley is. You know, you can lose a Marcelo Zuna, a guy in the middle of your bat, and kind of be okay. And with Freddie Freeman, I mean, they have... They have a lot of firepower. I agree with you. And Milwaukee, like, really kind of limped into it, you know, into the playoffs. And, and part of that is the Cardinals put, put a hurting on yeah. them, right? I mean, they won some big series, and then they, they beat them anyway uh, when they didn't necessarily have to. So, yeah, the Brewers aren't playing great. They still have, though, they're going to throw Brandon Woodruff at you, and they're going to throw mm-hmm. uh, uh, Corbin Burns, Burns at yeah. you, and then you're going to have to deal with Hader. You don't have to deal with Devin Williams. That's an enormously that? important thing in here. Yeah. Man. No. That when he when he made that announcement at Bush Stadium, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, that is such a loss for Milwaukee. I mean, I know that their bullpen's good, but without the one-two punch of of Williams and Hader, right? I don't know if it lives up to the expectations that it was supposed to, because they their their strategy was set in front of them, right? Your pitcher goes seven innings, Williams gets the eighth. Hater gets the ninth. Like, that's their recipe for success. And without that, I don't know what it is. Right. Now, maybe they put an Adrian Hauser in the bullpen yeah. and try to get a couple innings out of him. But also, uh, for Devin Williams, and he's a local guy, too, mm-hmm. we should say, kudos to him for being honest about yes. that injury, by the way. Yeah. Just think about all the athletes that would have right. some excuse. To, <laughs> right. right. To, but then you have to worry about it coming out and looking yeah. worse. Kudos to him. I really agree yeah, with Yeah, I that. agree with that. It, it, it rarely goes well when you try to obscure it. Remember Jeff Kent? What did he say? He was fixing his truck, and it turns out he was doing, uh, he was popping wheelies on his, on motor his motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> so. Fixing your truck, popping wheelies. Those are the same things. Yeah.
Well, I think similar people do both things. Probably. <laughs> Probably very true. So so the series, in my opinion, with the exception of the wild card games in the NL or ALDS that is going to be the most intriguing are the Sox and Astros. Tony LaRusso's White Sox, which has just been an unreal story this season with the injuries that they were hit with. And then you had the Yermin Mercedes storyline that went into it. And everyone <laughs> was calling for TLR's head. Well, he goes on and he wins the American League, basically, and matches up with the Houston Astros, who I understand they're the cheating Astros and the trash cans and everything that goes into it. Dusty Baker's found a way to turn that team back into a at least admirable giant. Hold on. We got to give Cardinals fans a reason to watch that game, right? It's yeah. Dusty Baker against Tony La Russa. You guys remember all the bad blood <laughs> you between Cubs those and cards? Two, right? remember it. So there you Cubs go. cards, Reds cards. Now Where they're both in go? their 70s, and I believe. still in the league. <laughs> and they it's, still probably you can't see, stand each other. Did you see Dusty Baker do a beer chug out of his cleat after the win the other oh, night? Oh my goodness. It was incredible. Like, Dusty Baker just knows how to win a clubhouse. Well, the thing about Dusty Baker, he, he just got like him because he he's that it's genuine he's a people person he's in there with him and he cares about yeah him. Well, i was gonna ask you what is it? i think i saw the stat the other day that he's the first or one of the managers to win with four or five division yeah. titles with different teams mm-hmm. but what is it sexy and no contract extension by the way all these wow. other guys are getting these big extensions i just really think it's that he was the first of the like true true players managers in that he you know, he was a leader of those Dodgers teams. If you think back to the 70s, yeah. those really good Dodgers teams that the Cardinals used to bang heads with. Um, he was like the veteran leader on that team. He just has this, like, magnetism about him. He, uh, uh, he likes people. He's a people person. He listens to people. And I just think that resonates really well with the players. It doesn't necessarily resonate well with the analytics crowd who are always scrutinizing every little bullpen move. And why'd you pull Russ or, or why'd you pull Russ Ortiz and give him the game ball in the world? All this kind of stuff. He's going to have to wear that. But again, just in terms of like really a team wanting to play for you, there's nobody better than Dusty Baker. You know, I know this is sacrilegious to say in St. Louis, but it, if, if it's not the Cardinals and it's not Tony La Russa because I am rooting for Tony, which I know would be difficult in that series, I think I might be rooting for Dusty. Mm-hmm. I just I, I met him once at a live with Mike Shannon's broadcast after a game. One of the nicest human beings you'd ever meet. Right. And like this was after a loss. I think it was when he was I forgot who he was the manager with. It might have been the Philly. I don't remember. It was a team in the National League. But like it was after a bad loss that the Cardinals whooped up on him. And he was still as nice as can be sat there and talked with me and was asking questions and things like that. Like when you meet good humans like that, you root for him. Yeah, that's right. Some of the hate for Tony La Russa, like can he manage young players, I think is ridiculous too. Oh, yeah. He's still a heck of a manager. And I, I'm curious to see how he does handle it. And have you seen that. how the White Sox players have, have like – Taken him in this seat. I mean, they like loved. They were all hugging him after they won the the uh, the their division. Like he has, like he bought into that team, and they did as well. You know what it is? It's elder abuse. Everyone wants to like <laughs> you know criticize the older it's guys. True. And as I get a little older, I'm a little more sensitive. I'd, I'd like to say us youngins do that a lot, but I don't know if I can consider that me as a younging anymore, right, Jerry? I've been taking the elder abuse in here, Emily. During the break, starts off a story by saying, uh, "No offense, you're not old, but okay, okay." Emily, text line. Yeah, three, two, one. Alex is wanting the Astros oh, to win. Come me. on, that's not what I said, <laughs> Alex. Great. There's no. one other thing about the White Sox. You forgot about the resurrection of Eloy Jimenez. I don't like him. 
Okay, but <laughs> wow. he, he literally rose from the dead. Did he? Do he really? No. Did he rise no. from the dead? Do I want to hear more. Do you remember about when this. they brought out that jersey and it was almost oh, like he? Oh yeah, passed. they celebrated because oh, he wasn't dugout. there. Yeah. Oh my it was god, I forgot like he about like that. Passed away. Yeah, they like didn't they walk around creepy. the outfield with it? That yeah. was really weird. It was weird. All right, now I might not be rooting for the White Sox. That's that's a strange thing. What a zombie. And now he's back. And now he's back from the dead to try and go for another World Series. Real quick, just, I know this is big picture. Are the Tampa Bay Rays going to go back to another World Series? I I find them boring to watch. I I kind of don't because they have all these pieces you don't really know much about and they're always moving them around. Um, Yeah, probably. I I know. They've got a great formula. It's incredible. It's ridiculous because you look at the four teams that are fighting right now, like whoever wins that Yankees Red Sox, I know the Tampa Bay is going to be favored in it, but Frankly, like I'm going to be rooting for the other team. But then with the White Sox and Astros, winner of that, like I could see Tampa running the table and get back to another World Series with a bunch of no names on their roster. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Michael Walker will probably pitch like game oh seven. My gosh. <laughs> I'll think How about that narrative, yeah. JR? <laughs> well, and if they had names on their roster, they'd pull Scherzer in the third inning or Wainwright. <laughs> now, can't go too, uh, okay, two yeah. times through the lineup. That's here. a low blow. I like that, Kevin though, Cash, JR. I hope you're not listening. <laughs> He's Jeremy Rutherford. He's Mark Saxon. I'm Alex Ferrario. She's Emily Butcher. It is Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Coming up in 15 minutes, we do have the fight. I don't know if we've decided who's fighting yet, if it's going to be me, JR, or Saxy. We'll figure that out in the commercial break. But if you text in fight, you'll get to be chosen by Emily to fight one of us here on Carriker and Smallman. Coming up next, though, the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, for his weekly hit here on Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Jeremy Rutherford and Mark Saxon. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is Carriker and Smallman. So we have decided who is going to be fighting in the next segment. You will be fighting me. That sounds easy. That felt personal. They are. That's I'm, too, I'm you went too far. I read in between the lines there, and I'm just going to assume you called me weak, but we'll just stick with that right now. Uh, someone who I'm sure has a couple of gut punches for me this early in the morning is who is joining us now on the air, or in the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. He is the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, how are you this morning? Alex, I'm doing fine. I have no idea what you're talking about. No, no, not at all. I, I was waiting for some type of weak comment as well. But you know what, Curbs? That's why you and I are so close because you don't have one. You're gonna keep it. You're gonna keep it strictly uh, friendly, aren't we? Well, I, I am. I'm just shocked that uh, with you guys having been on the air for an hour and twenty minutes, you haven't tried to nickname yourselves. <laughs> Jr. So Curbs, Saxy, you too. Curbs doesn't like my nicknames because I've had one great nickname and he just he doesn't like them. I gave him a good one over the weekend, though, didn't I, Curbs? Yeah, Nick, we, we we talk about this all the time. Nicknames have to be able to stick, and I, I don't know if you've had one that stuck. I haven't heard one. I did. It Alex, was Schwarzenko. It was incredible. Alex, what would be your nickname for this group here and today? 
You got to give me time. Right, I'm not, right. Give me by the end of this end of the interview. Summer. The other rule about right, a nickname. Don't do it. You, you have <laughs> to not like the nickname. We won't do it. Well, Curbs doesn't oh, like any nickname that I come up with. Don't worry. I'm going to have one at the end of this one. But I gave Curbs a good nickname. It was for Tarasenko, Thomas, and Neighbors was the TNT line. Oh, my goodness. Because they were dynamite, JR. And let's start with that, Curbs, because that's a fantastic transition. Jake Neighbors, JR and I talked about this in the previous hour, Curbs. Are you to the point now where you feel like Jake Neighbors is going to have an NHL roster spot at the end of this training camp? My, my, I, yeah, I, I feel that way, but I, it doesn't mean that he's going to be here long term. I, I think you know one, one of the things that's to me is going to really and is dictating how the St. Louis Blues handle this roster right now is the injury situation for Oscar Sundquist. You know, if he's not ready to return, and when is he ready to return? Is that going to be two weeks into the season, three or four? That remains to be seen. And then when he has to come off of IR, that will, of course, impact uh, the salary cap and in a pretty significant way. You know, but who plays the role since then? And, and I think when it comes to a guy like Jake Neighbors, unlike, say, Zach Bolduc, who they sent back to juniors a couple of days ago, it's a different situation. Zach Bolduc had played two years of, of junior hockey, uh, looks like he's he has a chance to be a really good player potentially in this league one day, but there just isn't a spot for him right now that makes sense. A guy like Jake Neighbors has played four years of junior hockey, and you start to weigh, hey, is he is he better off playing pro hockey or is he better off going back for a fifth year of junior hockey? And in this case, I don't see how going back to junior hockey is going to be as beneficial to him as playing uh, in the pro level. The problem you've got is you cannot put him in the American Hockey League because of his age right now. And with that being the case, that means he would have to be here. So he falls into one of those real you know, tough situations where going to the American Hockey League and, and playing there would be extraordinarily beneficial to not only him but the St. Louis Blues. But because of the rules the way they are, that's not the case. So you, maybe you keep him here, you play him in that eight- to nine-game range, and then make a decision before you burn a year by playing him in a tenth game and, and see how things shake out. So that he is definitely on the bubble of one of those real tough decisions. Curbs, another guy in the mix. You watched him play in Saturday's game in Independence, Missouri, James Neal. Afterwards, Craig Bruby said that he really liked his game. He competed hard all night long. Here's a guy, even though he had a hat trick earlier in camp, you know, one was kind of a fluky goal, the other one's an empty netter. Uh, I just didn't know that he had a strong chance to make this team, but it seems as camp goes on, the possibility is real. What do you think of James Neal Saturday? Do you think he makes the team? Well, he's he's playing as consistently in camp as anybody when it comes to the preseason games. Uh, he's doing everything that you need to do to make the team. You know, but I don't know whether or not from a cap situation, for example, he falls into that situation where you have to weigh, do you keep a Jake Neighbors versus a James Neal, you know, just from an overall roster standpoint. So I really, Jeremy, I, I don't know where that one sits other than he's played well. And you know what he did in, in that game in Kansas City, guys? And you know, th- this is more of a, of a team thing, but... You know, the night before in at the United Center, Blackhawks had a couple players running around. You had Caspic, you had Luce that that, that fought them, and 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 that calmed things down. But that that didn't happen. 
you know, in, in that game in Kansas City. But James Neal was the one guy going after to hit some guys and, and, and try and try and turn the tide physically is, is really the physicality was dictated by Chicago in that game. So there were some things like that that stood out. And what stood out to me is it's not James Neal that really should have been the one having to do that, but he did do it. And uh, and because of that, he, he stood out more than other guys. He's doing everything he can to, to make this roster, and if not here, you got to think that he's definitely showing some positives for a team somewhere else. Curbs, I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about this on pregame Saturday night, and Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby both said it in the offseason that they need to decide what the identity of this team is because last year they felt like they were kind of mixed in between. And we saw that game against the United Center on Friday. Are you starting to see the Blues getting back to that Craig Berube 18-19 mentality, the identity that they've had in the past? Well, we'll see. We'll see how that plays itself out come come the regular season. What you do see is Doug Armstrong went out, and I think he brought a little more size back to the team, a little more size and consistency, which is important for, I think, a Craig Berube team. You know, there, there's still some question marks to play out defensively, and, and though that's going to be the big part of that identity, Alex, you know, because you'll clearly have more physicality with a Nico Mikola. But does he... Does he make the majority of the games from a roster standpoint? Those those types of things. So we're going to have to see. It, it's, it definitely, though, is going to have to be that kind of team-heavy mentality, you know, where you dictate the game to the other team. And that was something that was missing a little bit over the last year or so, and I think he's building a roster, Doug Armstrong is, that's going to give Craig Berube a chance to bring some of that back. Curbs, uh, the Blues have played five exhibition games, record of three and two. They have three more left. There's eight, uh, as you well know. Uh, they're at Dallas, at Minnesota this week, and then wrap things up with a game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Whether it's a player, whether it's a group of uh, the forwards or the defensemen, what are some things you want to see in these final preseason games as the Blues get tuned up for that opener? Yeah, You know, Jeremy, first and foremost, I'm looking forward to seeing one game where we have a full lineup. You know, where you've got your NHL lineup. Now, whether that be one of the two road games or the final home game, I, I don't know yet what Craig Berube's going to do with it. But the, the, the team does have after Friday. They don't play until the following Saturday. So unlike, you know, unlike another preseason where you might – you know, play everybody in one game and then rest them that final preseason game. I, I don't think you have to do that here. I think you've got a chance, for example, to uh, to play the majority of your guys in two of these three games and get that game unit in there. That's what I'd really like to see that and and see how that shakes itself out. Um, you know, I, I think we have to consider I'd like to see another game with Brandon Sod and Robert Thomas and some of the chemistry that they had created in the first part of camp and see how, how those two guys look. And then really, I, I think the battle you know, on the defensive side is the next real big storyline to watch. If you see the Blues put together a, you know, like a full roster type game, I think what you have to look for and being curious is who they're selecting to go with defensively there. So where Perunovic fits, where Wallman fits, because it, it does appear to me like there's there's a hole in the top four defensemen of who's going to end up playing with Colton Pareko. 
you know, and is it is it more of a mobile guy like a Perunovic? Is it more of uh, the the Marco Scandella as we've seen in the past? That those are the kind of question marks I'm looking for, and seeing if we get clarity over the next three games. Well, we'll see it and hear it on Tuesday against the Dallas Stars. Curbs and Joey will be on the call out in Dallas, seven o'clock puck drop. I'll have your first Community Credit Union pregame show starting at six here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, appreciate the time, my man. Have a great day, and uh, I believe you're on your way to the rink, so we'll see you there. All right, guys. Have an awesome morning and, and a great start to your week, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Curbs. You too. Voice the Blues, Chris Kerber. JR, would you anticipate them chopping down the roster again after Tuesday's game, or do you think they get through that doubleheader Tuesday, Wednesday? and then chop it down for that final game on Friday. Yeah, for those who missed it, they made some cuts over the weekend, Alex. I believe they're down to 36 now after a couple cuts uh, each day. I agree with Curbs. I think you're going to see a regular, quote-unquote, regular lineup, probably two out of these last three games. You certainly need the extra bodies for these back-to-back games, uh, talking about Tuesday in Dallas and Wednesday in Minnesota. I guess the cuts could come after the Dallas game, uh, but to me, it's which one are they going to play the the regulars? Is it going to be that Minnesota game and then obviously the uh, the wrap up game against Columbus, you know, so that remains to be seen. We'll, we'll know more when we get out to practice today and see what kind of lineup they're putting together. Uh, but to me, yeah, these cuts will be coming right after that Dallas game, probably, and then perhaps a few more after Minnesota. Because they really don't have a lot of guys on the roster that you would that are clear cut being sent down, right? Like I think Nikita Alexandrov still on the team. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be making this roster. Sam Annis, who ha- has had a good preseason, but he's not going to be making it. But, I mean, other than that, it's it's guys that are all fighting for spots. And, I mean, I guess that goes to the depth conversation that we had before. If you have 30 guys that are fighting for 26 roster spots, at least that tells you that this team's in good hands for the start of the season. Yeah, and let's keep in mind one thing, too. After that Columbus exhibition game, they're done for a week, like yeah. Herb said. So they don't play until uh, October 16th in Colorado. That's the regular season opener. They don't need to be down to that 23-man roster until a day or two before then. So they could, you know, uh, conceptually keep some guys into next week. Probably not a lot. They're going to get down to a pretty good number, uh, but they don't have to be down to 23 until just before the start of the regular season. He's Jeremy Rutherford. He's Mark Saxon. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is time for the fight. We'll get to that next here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Character is not in this week. He's wrapping up his vacation. He will be back tomorrow with Michelle Smallman. But today it's Mark Saxon, myself, Jeremy Rutherford, and Alex Ferrario. And Alex has stepped into the cone of silence. He is going to fight. And today his opponent is Big Bad Johnny. Johnny is in the other corner, and we're going to bring in Johnny. How are you doing? Doing good. How are we doing, JR? Doing great. Good. Thanks for joining us. We hope that uh, you kick Alex's butt here. We're going to not help you, but we're going to be rooting for you. Right, Sexy? According to you, he does nothing to worry about. (laughs) Johnny, we really want you to take a deep breath and relax because you're not playing Randy Carricker. It's Alex Ferrari. We feel pretty good about your chances. 
I feel pretty good too, but I called out JR. I felt better against my chances against him, but we'll see how we do here. Oh, oh okay. okay. Uh-oh. Well, maybe I am rooting for Alex here. <laughs> he, he did call you out on the text we were, line. He, he said, was rooting. He said Johnny versus JR. Oh, I got you. That's all right. I That's said, all right. we don't know who's going yet, but we'll yeah. see. No, I can I can definitely be in your corner here. Let's uh, let's get to the fight. Alex is outside the room, and here we go. Question number one. Johnny, happy 77th birthday to former Cardinals manager and three-time World Series champion Tony La Russa. TLR played in 132 major league games as a utility man. Who was the final team that La Russa played for in 1973? Was it the Kansas City Oakland A's? The Atlanta Braves or the Chicago Cubs? Hmm. We'll go with we'll go with the Braves. All right, Johnny. I'm going to switch gears on you here, buddy. We're going to the NBA, and where we are oh, sticking with the, is that good for you? Uh, we'll see. All right, we're sticking with the birthday theme. Happy 33rd birthday to three-time NBA All-Star Derrick Rose. D. Rose was the number one overall NBA draft pick in the 2008 draft out of Memphis by which team? Was it A. the New York Knicks? Was it B, the Chicago Bulls, or was it C, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Hometown kid out of Chicago, baby. Let's go with the Bulls. Question number three. Happy 43rd birthday to former Cardinal and World Series champion Kyle Loesch. Which team did Loesch play for before signing a deal to play with the Cardinals in 2008? Was it the Cincinnati Reds? The Milwaukee Brewers or the Philadelphia Phillies? Uh, We'll go with the Brewers. Ooh, I like this question, this last one. It's a a good one, and uh, it could be the decider. Who has won the most league batting titles in MLB history? Is it Tony Gwynn? Is it Ty Cobb? Or is it Honus Wagner? Can you repeat the first one again? Sure, Tony Gwen. Will him. All right. How you feeling, Johnny? Not too confident. Wow. <laughs> Who do you wish you would have played now? <laughs> ah, Jay. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Let's see. Let's bring Alex in out of the cone of silence. Alex. Yo. Who we got? We got Johnny. Is he talking trash? He is. A little bit. Is he? But, but not toward you, amazingly. <laughs> Johnny, you're not talking trash, but not to me? Oh, no, just JR. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh well, well, I'll tell you what. If I win this, I'll dedicate it to you, and I'll just consider you beat JR. How's that? Oh, I'll take you. I'm rooting for you, brother. <laughs> oh, he had JR. I was not confident. Good luck. <laughs> okay. All right, Alex, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. We got a birthday theme here, as we uh, often do. Happy 77th birthday to former Cardinals manager and three-time World Series champion Tony La Russa. La Russa played in 132 Major League games as a utility man. Who was the final team that La Russa played for in 1973? And you are going with the options, right? Yeah, I get them? Yeah. Okay, I'm not mega mind. I'm not mega mind. Yeah, I'm not mega mind, although I think I know this one. Those options are the Kansas City-Oakland Athletics. The Atlanta Braves or the Chicago Cubs? I believe, believe it was with the Cubs. Give me a pinch hitter for him. 
Oh, you remember that, huh? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> I was I was alive that, you know, because I'm Randy today. I'm a mega mind. Yeah, I, re- I was watching this game. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cubs. All right. We're sticking with the birthday theme. Happy 33rd birthday to three-time NBA All-Star Derrick Rose. D. Rose was the number one overall NBA draft pick in the 2008 draft out of Memphis by which team? Oh, that's Was it A, save, the New York Knicks? Save them, Saxy. That's the Chicago okay. Bulls. I will be mega mind on that one. You are pulling a character. (laughs) Sorry. Don't need the choice. Yeah, sorry. Question number three. Happy 43rd birthday to former Cardinal and World Series champion Kyle Loesch. Which team, Alex, did Loesch play for before signing a deal to play with the Cardinals in 2008? Was it the Cincinnati Reds? Was it the Milwaukee Brewers? Or the Philadelphia Phillies. Ooh, good. So I, I was down to two. It was I thought it was either San Diego or Milwaukee. So since the Padres aren't one of them, I'm going to go with my other option in Milwaukee. All right. Who has won the most league batting titles in MLB history? Is it Tony Gwynn? Is it Ty Cobb? Or is it Honus Wagner? Oh, you guys are going to get me on this one, aren't you? Um... My gut tells me Tony Gwynn, and because my gut's always right, JR, I'm going to stick with Tony Gwynn. Let's see if that's right. Tony Gwynn. Let's see how Alex did against Big Bad Johnny. Who won this fight? Emily, let's hear the answer. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Congratulations, Take that, Alex. JR. <laughs> got him, Johnny. <laughs> JR would have gone 0 for 4. Johnny was right. He got there. We pulled the wrong guy for you, man. Yeah. Good effort, though, Johnny. Yeah, uh, boy, was that the toughest fight in history? Where'd you pull those questions from? <laughs> <laughs> now he's talking now trash on Emily. Emily Emily's <laughs> eyebrows just went to the Johnny. top of her forehead. From oh, my goodness. goodness. From the top? <laughs> okay. I thought since Randy was gone, they were going to be easy. All right, well, hold on. Since, since he's talking trash, let's see how easy this was. I don't know how many I got. I think I got all four. Let's find out what happened here. We'll roll through the questions. (laughs) You did sexy. 77th birthday to uh, Tony LaRussa. He played in 132 Major League games. The final team that he played with in 1973 was the Chicago Cubs. Johnny got it wrong. Alex got it correct. Yeah, that was not an easy question. You guys gave me the easy question. and that (laughs) Yes, you were both correct. I believe was this Johnny's only correct answer? The Chicago Bulls did indeed draft D-Rose. Oh, easy there, Sexy. Oh, now Sexy. Now I'm on the line of fire. Johnny. the toughest fight in history in the office, by the way. That was last week. I was wondering when he was going to go after Saxy. Oh, I shouldn't have spoken up. Kyle Loesch, the final team that he played for before signing with the Cardinals in 2008. Neither one of you guys got this one right. The Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, well, that's not... Fair. Okay. I'm not surprised that Johnny got it wrong. I'm kind of surprised yeah! that you got it wrong, Take Alex. That, Johnny. Well, you think like your logic was leading me. I thought you were going to say the Phillies because uh, you eliminated the other teams. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and then on the last. The yeah, because I know he pitched for the Brewers. Was that? Yeah. That might have been after the Cardinals. Guess so. And on the Johnny, I got to give you. I would have guessed Tony Gwynn on this one too. But the most league batting titles in ML history was indeed Ty Cobb okay. with twelve all American right. League batting titles. And we all remember that 1907 season he had, which is extraordinary. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. I, I remember watching that and listening to it. So Alex wins the fight. 
two to one. Uh, but uh, a great fight. Not really, Johnny. Well, but, but you know what, Johnny? I'm the only one that he didn't take shots at. So, Johnny, I appreciate you being a part of the fight and having a good one. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's good, good opponent. Step up. I like it. Yeah. JR, I'll get you next time, brother. All right, we'll do it. I don't know that there'll be a next time because the one person you can't offend is That's Emily true. because she picks the oh, <laughs> Emily Emily controls the, the phone line. You're gone. <laughs> Johnny, I'll make it up to her, I promise. Appreciate the fight, buddy. Have a great week, and we appreciate him always joining us here on Carriker and Smallman. Everyone can participating in the fight, but uh, fellas, I am now undefeated in competitions. 2-0 and in the fast lanes of the gauntlet. 1-0 in the fight. Wow. Wow. 2-0. Oh. Are that. you going to, like, do you have champagne on I mean, ice? I, I might go What's celebrate with my hour off in between during the Deanie Mac show with BK. He's Mark Saxon and Jeremy Rutherford. She's Emily Butcher and put together a great fight today. Take that, Johnny. I'm Alex Ferrario. When we come back, a whip around the National Football League after week four. We'll get to that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Air Comfort Service text line 65780 and your mic drops on the 101 ESPN app, the Rhino Shield mic drops. You can send those over. We're going to get back into the Cardinals-Dodgers wild card game coming up at the top of the hour. Um, and we've been talking about this today. Your biggest concern going into this game on Wednesday night, I know the obvious one is Max Scherzer, but maybe it's the bullpen because like Saxe, you mentioned, Julio Urias is going to be coming out of that bullpen available for them on Wednesday. And we saw how dominant he was last year for the Dodgers in their route to the World Series. So whatever your concern might be, or maybe there isn't a concern, maybe you're confident, send those into the Rhino Shield Mic Drop 101 ESPN app or the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Speaking of that text line, um, don't appreciate this one from the 801. Alex gloating about his victories. What about that home run derby? <laughs> Ouch. Um, He's got a point. We'd like to Ouch. forget about that one. And yes, they do have a point. I went over in that, but hey. Solid contact and solid effort. Am I right? Another one, 636. We'll Alex, take your word for that's, it. Just please do. Alex taking an hour off to celebrate might help his takes later on. Probably not. It, it takes a lot to to uh, figure out for me. But anyway, let's do a couple of NFL storylines. I'm sure everyone was glued to their television for week four. And a lot of that was from last night's game. It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against Bill Belichick and the former team for Tom Brady, the New England Patriots. Tom coming off with the victory. I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that when he stepped onto the field, there were cheers and people showing posters of Brady on a goat's body or Brady with a Jesus hair on. But as soon as that game started, every time he touched the ball, they were booing him relentlessly. Perfect. It's got to be that way, right? Yeah. And I listened to the morning show on the drive-in, and they were mentioning the same thing. The reporter boots on the ground at the game last night said he got all the respect in the world for what he accomplished in New England prior to the game. But once the game starts, mm-hmm. you got to boo. You can't cheer Tom Brady completing a pass in game against your own team. No. This was a boring game, by yeah, the way. Right. Like, it was really hyped up for all the right reasons, but boy, it was boring. The offenses weren't doing anything. Um, I, I thought Brady was maybe a little taken out of his game a little bit. I thought so, too. I think Tom Brady is one of these guys, and there's a lot of athletes like this who 
get a chip on their shoulder. They, if they don't have a chip on their shoulder, they get one. They figure out a reason. And it was hard for him to do that against that team. Yeah. And especially what you said, the love he felt before. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that same edge. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't the case, but it kind of looked like that to me. And But you do have to realize both of those teams have exceptional defenses, too, so that right. had something to do with it. it was and I was a little, maybe that is what it took him back a little bit with all the excitement when he came out onto the field. But, like, I did expect him to have, like, a Michael Jordan-esque game where he kind of came off pissed off. I mean, we've all yeah. seen his social media videos that his team puts together, right? Right. Tom Brady's social media account. I mean, there's a lot of, like, editing that goes into that to, like, basically take shots at other people. I was surprised that there was a little more anger into Tom Brady's game. But the other thing that caught me was the fact that Bill Belichick kicks a field goal late in the game. Like, you know what you're doing. There's time on the clock in the fourth quarter. You've seen it in Super Bowl games, playoff games, regular season games. You give Tom Brady anything more than 10 seconds on a clock, he's going to drive it down the field to beat you. Maybe it was gift wrapping it for him. Maybe yeah. Bill Belichick said, you know what, New England, let's have him. Let's let him have this one. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think he, he was gift wrapping because did you guys see the hug afterwards? I've been married to my wife for, I think, 18 years now. I think we've had longer hugs you know, <laughs> on an anniversary or something than we saw with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick last night. That sounds about right. That sounds well, about I, right. I don't know if it's just a commentary about marriage or a commentary about their relationship. It's both. It's, it's, a, little both. Both. it's a little bit of both, actually. Uh, another game that uh, had a lot of people's attention was the Cardinals versus the Rams. Of course, the Rams were undefeated headed into that game. So were the Cardinals. Somebody was going to lose in that NFC West battle. I think a lot of people looked at the Rams as the team to beat in the NFC for how good they have been up to this point in the season. Um, Now that's gone because the Cardinals now are the team to beat. They're undefeated. I think that game was a perfect example of nobody being a clear-cut favorite in the National Football League for a Super Bowl this year. I mean, look, the, the Buccaneers have lost a game. The Rams now have lost a game. The Cardinals are undefeated, but they've had a couple of close games so far. There isn't a clear-cut favorite like there have been in years past where it's like, oh, the Chiefs are going to be there or, or the Bucks are going to be there when Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl with them. No, you're right. It's like the season's still kind of coalescing. We're still learning about who that team is, right? It doesn't look like there's a dominant team. But that might take away from that Cardinals-Rams game. The Rams gave up 37 points in that game to yeah. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. They had an error. That defense had an error almost of invincibility last uh-huh. year, and that was just shattered last night. So that was an interesting development for yeah. me. Yeah, and this is Randy's show, so we want to make sure. Especially yeah, make sure, please. Michelle, too. You know, both of those guys would be on board with this, is uh, to see Stan's team go down like that. Pretty oh. gratifying. But the other takeaway, too, is this Cardinals team, you know, since they left, what, 1988? Uh, yeah. Have they – do we remember a time where they looked – this good. I know they've had their moments. They've they had some they good did have players. a Super Bowl run. Yeah, they had they, the Super Bowl run with Kurt Warner. Right. Right. And, and so I think you're right. That's, mm-hmm. that's the, the moment that stands out in terms of that franchise in a long stretch of yeah, time. Yeah, but you're right. But yeah. this is a team that could really do something. It's a sad sack organization overall. And I, I say that as a, a childhood diehard Cardinals fan. We were <laughs> heartbroken when we left. We were season ticket holders. Um, absolutely a sad sack organization. They're one of those teams like the L.A. Clippers or, yeah. you know, they really yeah. are. They're just not. They, they, it's a good comp. It's a very <laughs> sad sack organization. So you're right. For them to have a chance 
and how does that happen? You get a, a generational player potentially, like Kyler Murray. One more storyline to touch on, and it's the drop of another undefeated team. So now I believe there are only two standing, and the other one that's going for it tonight, the second of the two, because the Cardinals are one of them. Now that the Rams lost, Raiders taking on the Chargers Monday Night Football, which you can hear tonight starting at 6:30 on 101 ESPN. But you had the Cowboys take down the Carolina Panthers. They were the other undefeated team. Carolina had lost Christian McCaffrey. They lost their cornerback, J.C. Horn, and then they went out and they got the cornerback from Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought the Panthers were the real deal, kind of sent back down to the real world after that loss. I still think the Cowboys are going to be a tough team to deal with in the NFC East, and I'm not sure kind of where everyone else is on this one because you got the Phillies who lost to the Chiefs. You have the Washington football team who beat the Falcons. I'm all over the place with this stuff. Yeah, they beat the Falcons 34-30. I still think the Dallas Cowboys are the clear-cut one in that division, and they showed that with another victory. Yeah, you know, the the Panthers people were starting to sort of jump on that bandwagon a little bit. Nobody really knew how Sam Darnold would look there. Um, boy, I thought they looked terrible in the second half. Yeah. I thought whatever adjustments were made at halftime, Dallas just made the right ones, and the Panthers didn't. Um, I mean, they just jumped them for three quick touchdowns, and the game was kind of over at that point. Uh, I don't know what to make of that Carolina team. I, I do tend to agree with you. Now, the Dallas, you know, at home, they're kind of a different animal, but... You know, Dak's healthy again. We're seeing them sort of do some of the stuff that they were doing. You know, is the defense championship caliber? We'll find out. But I agree with you. They're starting to make, they're becoming an interesting team to keep an eye on. And they're one of those iconic brands like the Yankees, the Cardinals. When they're doing well, the NFL is generally doing well. Yeah, and when you have it at all three skill positions, you know, you go back to their prime with Aikman and Emmitt Smith and Mm -hmm. Michael Irvin. Now you look at this team, you know, and it's Dak to have this bounce back year that, that he's had after the injury is just phenomenal. But also, you look at uh, Zeke. Zeke had a real good game yes. yesterday. Broke off a long run. And then also Amari Cooper. So it, you oh. got the three heads with those guys Great like plan. you did years ago. Well, week four comes to a conclusion tonight. Raiders and Chargers, as I mentioned, kick off a little after 7 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 6.30. And you'll hear that home for the Blues 101 ESPN. He's Mark Saxon and Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Alex Ferrario. All filling in for Carriker and Smallman this morning. We will get to start one, bench one, cut one in about 15 minutes or so. So you can send those text lines six. Five seven eight zero. Also, continue to send your Rhino Shield mic drops on the 101 ESPN app. Back to the Cardinals and Dodgers wild card game. Your biggest concern going into this one on Wednesday. We'll discuss that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Cardinals and Dodgers wild card game on Wednesday night as it'll be Adam Wainwright against Max Scherzer. A 90 win season concluded yesterday with a loss to the Chicago Cubs, a series loss to the Chicago Cubs. But again, that doesn't matter. Cardinals accomplished what they needed to, right? No matter what the path looked like, how you got there, you still got there. 90 wins for this Cardinals team. And and frankly, along with Mark Saxon and Jeremy Rutherford, I'm Alex Ferrario. Frankly, if you look at what they did in June, and I think it was a 10 and 17 record, mm-hmm. their slash line in the month of June was the worst slash line in Major League Baseball for that entire month. I think their OPS, the only team worse than them in OPS was the Chicago Cubs, which tells you an awful lot. I don't know if I would have believed that they could have gotten to 90 wins. Frankly, I didn't believe that they would have got to 90 wins. So what they accomplished this season with the month of September, 
I think that's why so many people are excited for Wednesday against the Dodgers. Yeah, and I'm kind of old school. I that 90 win plateau is meaningful for me. Yeah. Like that's in baseball forever. You said, you know, that's eh, a 90 win team. That's a pretty good team, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, it'll sort of impact the way we look at the season if it goes on to a World Series championship. Things go really well the next few weeks. You're going to look back at it. And you don't look back and go, oh, that was, you know, that was one of those teams that just made it out of the nowhere run. If you get to 90 wins, now you're kind of a respectable team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think that was important, but still, there is a little bit of an absurdity to this game being a 106 win team against the it's Niners. Right. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> 16 games better. That's enormous. Yeah. And I like how the Cardinals looked at it. They said, if we can get to 70 wins by September, we'll probably just rattle off 20 the last <laughs> yeah, month sure of the that season. Was the plan. And, and we'll be fine. And, Sexy, I was going to ask you about that. Obviously, you're going to have a good team, uh, you know, in the wild card uh, race, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, not everybody can win the division, but 106 wins. I'd just like to know what the most wins for a team going into a wild card game like this Oh, that is actually an excellent question. I don't know it off the top of my head. This this could be it. I wouldn't be surprised. I think back to the one that stands out for me, I think it was 1993 when the divisions were different and the Giants, I think, won 104 games that year and did not make the playoffs because the Braves went crazy. They were in the same division at that time. Um, You do see examples of that where great teams don't make the postseason. Now it's like the opposite, right? In this case, you have a great team that made the worst possible postseason, which is the wild card because it's like a 50-50 shot of getting into what I consider the real postseason when the series is begin. Yeah, well, and by the way, they are the winningest team to be in a wild card ever. And so either way that was going to happen, whether it was the Giants or the Dodgers, right? Right. Yeah, you're looking at what a hundred and eight win team or a hundred and six win team that is going to be the wild card, which is insane to say. And that kind of goes to show you too, like don't expand the playoffs like we saw last year where you had so many teams get in. Yeah. Like this is the most that should be a part of that playoff run. Right. Because if you expand it more, then you're talking and I can understand the argument of the Phillies getting in, right? Because the Phillies fought towards the end and the Braves were just out, bested them. But like you're really gonna put this the Cincinnati Reds in with all of these teams that are already in it. Like it just doesn't make sense. The Reds had their chance, and they didn't get it done, I mean, quite frankly. But what's interesting to me about this baseball season is the power in the American League was in the American League East, which is not, uh, you know, it's not unusual. It it typically is because the Red Sox and Yankees spend so much money. But for Tampa to have now been a third kind of behemoth in that that division, it's really put all the power there. In the National League, it was all in the West. Now, the Padres fell apart at the end, but that was three powerhouse teams in that division. It was just very interesting to me how sort of coastal it was, but the Cardinals have a chance to erase all that storyline and go on a run here. And they're that team. They're the it team because they're so hot. Yeah, and if you're a Cardinal fan and you're looking for the optimist uh, angles here. You know, we're this, always looking for that angle. <laughs> this, always. This you know, isn't... Alex is a lifetime optimist. <laughs> hey, Mike Schilt changed me when he said optimists live longer, and I said, really? There's, there's there's optimistic all that. season. <laughs> the heck? Well, this isn't the 106 win team currently, and mm-hmm. realize everything's offset by the fact that, that Scherzer's on the hill, but he has mm-hmm. had a couple hiccups here lately. Kershaw is likely out, right? Mm-hmm. Muncie, uh, not expected mm-hmm. to play, and so obviously it's a, it's a formidable team 
team here, uh, but the team that won 106 and now becomes the team with the most wins to play in the wild card team. It's not necessarily that group. And I absolutely agreed with a lot of people were saying this that if you're going to play the Dodgers, you rather, rather play them in a one game series because you don't have to deal with that starting pitching depth, right? Yeah. You don't have to worry about okay, game two now we got to match up Dakota Hudson against Julio Rios, a Cy Young contender, or Walker Bueller against Miles Michaelis. None of that comes into play. All those guys are in the pen now, potentially available. Now, if you can sneak past the Dodgers, you're looking at the Giants. Yeah, they're going to throw Gossman at you, but or or you know beyond that, can you match up with those pitchers? Yeah, I think you have a chance. Plus. You, you did play the Giants a little bit better in the regular season. You feel like you know who they are. I just feel like, you know, the Giants are a team. They've been, you know, butting heads with the Cardinals a long time in the postseason. But it's kind of, you know, that, that to me, that series would be a little bit of a throw up. You know, excuse me, I didn't mean to use no, such well, a graphic I mean, some, term. I mean, sometimes it might be a throw-up. It might be a throw-up when you're watching, when you're facing Max Scherzer, it might be a throw-up game. You never There's know. There's some potential for it. <laughs> I do like the fact of the history, at least this season, for the Cardinals in terms of matchups. Like, yes, you have the Dodgers, and you split the series with them most recently, and you got the history of the Cardinals beating the Dodgers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Cardinals beat the Giants both series this season. They got the best of the Mets the last couple of times they faced off. And the Atlanta Braves, we saw what happened to the Braves a couple of years ago in the playoffs. So you like the path that the Cardinals can find a way to get through the Dodgers in a one-game wild card. I like how both of you guys have the Cardinals playing the Giants in this next series, and you're forgetting about that one Disney Didn't you movie he- storyline. Yeah, you keep that. <laughs> Didn't you hear Ma- uh, Mike Schilt, though, with Max Scherzer? <laughs> hey, they got experience, they experience against him in spring training. <laughs> That's going to pay off for this team. Okay, so we teased a little bit uh, of your biggest concern going into this wild card game on Wednesday against the Dodgers. And yes, I know a lot of people are concerned about Max Scherzer. Uh, I like this one from the 618. My concern, Cardinals bullpen versus the Dodgers uh, heaters and allowing too many walks. I think that's going to be a concern for a lot of people, although the bullpen uh, definitely changed their tone since the end of July. But I do believe we have a Rhino Shield mic drop, and let's hear from Austin. Hey, guys. One of my concerns going into the wild card game is that Mike Schilt is going to have to rely on one of his bench players to come up with a big hit, and that bench player will be Matt Carpenter. We all know how that'll end. That Carpenter hate. You, you know, like in JR's Disney narrative, well, I guess it was my Disney narrative. Yours right. was more like a Martin Scorsese narrative here. Right. But you know on the flip side of that, the Disney narrative is Matt Carpenter hitting a bomb against the Dodgers in a pinch hit roll, right? It's the same as when Matt Holiday stepped up to the plate for his last game as a Cardinal in the regular season. It's the same thing we've seen in the past when Pete Cosma comes up with a big hit against the Nationals in the playoffs or David Freeze goes deep. Like, you know that there is a Disney narrative narrative there that Mike Schultz and Matt Carpenter are hoping for. Yeah. Do you only watch PG movies? Oh, yeah. Is that your rule at Look, home? Sac- only sexy. <laughs> the only song that I have in my head right now is the theme song to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It's okay. all yeah. I sing over <laughs> and over and over and over. And he doesn't even have children. He just watches it himself. Yeah, right? that's true. Oh, no, actually. No, yeah. Well, the seven-month-old watches <laughs> other things. I watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Hey, hey Saxy, uh, Alex and I had to put up with this on the, the blues beat with uh, guys like Patrick Berglund, you know, a whipping boy. But I envision a mic drop in about a month, month and a half. Yeah, the Cardinals won the World Series, but this means that Carpenter's going to get a ring. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. He gets a hit. The next day is going to be like, oh, this means Carpenter's coming back. And, and in all honesty... I did feel bad for Carpenter yesterday because, like, I, I, it was a game that didn't matter, right? 
I think I would have started Matt Carpenter at third yeah, base. Yeah. You know, a lot of there was a lot of conjecture that he might, you know, on Twitter and things like that. And, and I understand the, the 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 displeasure with Matt Carpenter because of the struggles over the last couple of years and the contract that was given. But I mean, he had no say in that. Like he right. he was given an offer and he took the offer because he had a phenomenal season when he was given to him. I don't think Matt Carpenter is going to be back. I do think Matt Carpenter is a Cardinals Hall of Famer, but. In all honesty, that storyline does make sense to me to where Matt Carpenter steps up in a pinch hit opportunity. And you know what? He's got the power, like you said earlier, Saxy. Yeah, JR, just to kind of touch on what you were saying, I I think fans have every right to be upset totally. with whoever they want to. They're paying for this whole thing. They're ultimately the bosses for me. But it, do, I, it does, like, to me, it, it hurts a little bit when you think, a few years ago, Matt Carpenter was such an underrated player. This guy was hitting 40 doubles every year. He was hitting 25 to 30 home runs. He had an elite batting eye. He had a close to 400 on base percentage. This was an MVP vote getter for several years. This was the best hitter on the team for a number of years. So it does, it's a little bit. <clears throat> I think it misses the narrative when you just look at his last few years and just think that he's like this waste of a roster spot. And by the way, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has a hugely important, really good at bat mm-hmm. in this game because he's not going to swing at anything out of the strike zone. Right. What happens when some of these young relievers get into postseason games for the first time? They're nervous as hell. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily going to be throwing strikes. He's a guy who I don't hate in a pinch hitting spot. Well, and remember, remember Kenley Jansen and the struggles he had last year in the postseason. I mean, they basically switched him out of the closer role right. because he struggled so much. You get a matchup like that late in a game if Kenley Jansen's pitching. If you get past Urias and Max Scherzer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're looking at here. Max Scherzer's not going to swing at Kenley Jansen's stuff that's on the outside. He'll sit there and wait for something and to, Kenley, to get on base. Kenley Jansen doesn't throw 97 like no. he used to. So he's a guy who an older hitter can maybe catch up with and, and pop one. You don't know. But, again, it's just like I agree with you. When you see one player get all that scorn, it's kind of like, okay, but let's stay, take a step back. This is a guy who has a lot of pride. He's done a lot of great things. Just realize that. And also – He's not a useless player. There are He's gotten some hits this year that, that mattered for that team. Yeah, and as long as we're talking about storylines from the weekend, can I get something else off my chest? Oh, oh my gosh. Gosh. Yeah, no, we have event I thought that we're saving that for your killing me, Smalls. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe this is a vocal minority, but I read too much, and again, maybe it was a small percentage, of people saying, thank goodness this is the last weekend for Mike Shannon. Enough already. Mm. Move on. And it rubbed me the wrong way big time. Do, do the first 49 years and 10 months of somebody's career not give enough equity into what this person meant for the organization. And okay, listen, you turn on the dial and he doesn't sound like himself. I get it. This is his weekend. This is his celebration. Mm -hmm. This should be celebrated, not people going on to the different social media outlets to say, you know, get this guy off the air. I get it. But oh man, for somebody who grew up in St. Louis and just has so many memories of listening to Mike Shannon just bug me. Yeah. Save that. We live in. Save that heat because we do have your killing me small segment, and I want to hear more of that. Bring Let's it. Bring, bring it. the heat. Pretend don't, Johnny's calling you out again. Don't tick off JR. <laughs> JR's got the heat. He's Mark Saxon. He's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Alex Ferrario. Emily Butcher here as well. Filling in for Carriker and Smallman. We will take a break. Send your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. It's start one, bench one, cut one. We'll do that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. You send over the scenarios. We will tell you which one will start, which one will bench, and which one will cut. Guys, let's get this one out of the way with Jeremy Rutherford, Mark Saxon, Emily Butcher. I'm Alex Ferrario. Start one, sit one, bench one, cut one. Or start one, bench one, cut one. I'm going to mess that up a lot. Let's get it out of the way. Ferrario, Rutherford, Saxon. I'll start this off. I'll cut Ferrario. <laughs> oh. Wow. I'll let you guys decide who can start set. I'm just getting it out of the way because okay. I know they'll come in quick. Okay. You I'm, think that's what's coming in? That's what's going to come yeah. in. I, I just I, know, believe me on on BK and Ferrario, all we get are BK, Tanner, Ferrario. Which one's got to go? <laughs> we just always get rid of BK. I'm starting JR. I'll just sit on the bench and collect paychecks. Is that all right? I'm starting you two, and I'm uh, designating myself for assignment. <laughs> Emily's sitting here going, I'm cutting all three of you, and I'll just start and bench myself. <laughs> Emily's like, this is an awful. <laughs> Thankfully, we're all three getting cut today, and yeah. Randy and Michelle will be back tomorrow. Yeah, we're you're, all gone, and they'll be welcome, back. You're welcome, listeners. Yeah, you are welcome. <laughs> all right, Emily, what do we got on the Air Comfort Service? Text line 65780. Well, we got one that was pretty similar from the 636 start one, bench one, cut one. Carriker, Kylie, or Stalter. Oh, oh my gosh. Ouch. It's my vicious out here. It's going to get personal. This is like, brutal. Yeah, why do we got to get You so got to go personal, first, guys. Uh, because I, I have to deal with them every day. You, you'll cut them all? I'll cut, right? I'll cut BK because he knows that I, I love him, but I'll have to be. Uh, frankly, BK would say I'd cut myself. Um, I'll start Randy because he's a legend, and I'll have Anthony Stalter on my bench. Okay. I'm not doing this. I love yeah. all these guys. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> start man. all three JR, of them, guys. Next. I'm starting character. <laughs> you got to start. It's a legend. He's back tomorrow. Can't wait. I get to listen to the show. Uh, so, it's a lot more entertaining than participating in the show. <laughs> Especially uh, when those questions come in. My God. <laughs> and Stalter is great. He's definitely oh. uh, got to be on your roster. He's coming off the bench. And BK, look, he's a young guy. He's got to get his swings in. He's he's got to go yeah. back was that a, to was the, that a home run derby shot? Yeah, how do you do? I don't appreciate that, thing, that. better uh, than me. He didn't miss the ball at all. Well, better than you, like any like a four year old would do better than that's you. That's true. You Look, like BK blitting. and I both stunk. It's just BK stunk less than me. Okay, that's right. the way I looked at it. So where can I send BK to? Like the fall league, Arizona fall yeah, league, no, or something? Okay. Yeah, I'm cutting him just because of that, and it <laughs> pains me. I got it. I'm gonna bench Stalter because he's like my. He tells me who to bet on in the NFL, and that's my guy. So I gotta <laughs> I gotta keep him. Yeah. Got a star character. He's a legend in this town. You guys are right. Sorry, BK. Sorry, BK. All right, Emily, let's hope they're not as personal as that one. Woof. No, no, no. <laughs> not not nearly as bad. We've just ended our friendship. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm not, it's just going to be BK and T-Bone later on today from 11 to 2. From the 636, start one, bench one, cut one, one game play-in edition. Adam Wainwright, Chris Carpenter, Bob Gibson. Oh, oh no. good Lord, have mercy. This is tough. JR, let's start with you. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Thanks, Emma. <laughs> That's what I get for not doing the fight. Yep. This, this is, is exactly, this is your punishment. Yikes, yikes, yikes. I'll tell you what, we went legend on the last question. I'm going legend on this one. And these are three legends, but Bob Gibson is the legend. So I'm going to start Bob Gibson. I am going to put, and I love Chris Carpenter, but Adam Wainwright might be my favorite Cardinal of all time. Really? Yeah, he really is. Uh, I'm going to put him on my bench, and please, I hope Chris Carpenter's not listening, but I'm going to cut him. He's got an he's got an arm sleeve, so oh. he's listening. Woof. Yeah, not the guy you want to tick off. <laughs> all right, Sexy, who do you want to tick I off? I mean, JR got it exactly <laughs> right. This is not close. I mean, this on a baseball level, Bob Gibson starts, of course. You're talking about a top 
top five right-handed pitcher in the history of the game, who had made arguably the greatest season in the history of the game. Of course, it's Bob Gibson to start it. I'm going to put Adam Wainwright on the bench, too. I think overall, you look at the bulk of their career, Adam Wainwright had a better, slightly better career than Chris Carpenter. Who both of them had a lot of seasons derailed by injuries, but still did great things late in their career, so there's a parallel there. But I think Adam Wainwright, maybe for the ball, you know, overall career, I would give him the edge. Make it a clean sweep on the start one. Bob Gibson starting for me. I think I would sit Chris Carpenter, though, and cut Wayno. And uh, people are going to hate me for that one. But the big game aspect. Chris Carpenter, yeah. I mean, for, for my Cardinals memories, Chris Carpenter has always been at the forefront. Like, I remember the Cy Young season. I remember the Phillies game. He was just one of my favorite Cardinals just because of the intensity he always had on the mound. And it's so tough because you got a World Series memory with Wayno and the strikeout against the Tigers and, of course, the Mets. And you have the World Series memory of Carpenter against the Phillies. But... I'm going to take the uh, Carpenter a- angle on this one, and I'll uh, I'll cut Adam Wainwright. So, so you cut Wayno? Yeah. Okay, well, I just signed him. <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart you cut man. Carpenter just to spite <laughs> you. Yeah. Take that, JR, for your Scorsese narrative. What else we got, Emily? All right. Since you guys did it to yourselves, we'll do it to me. From the 260, start one, bench one, cut one. Emily, oh. T-Bone, meat. Oh, my god! Oh, my God. All my of them. My gosh. Be, be gentle. <laughs> my God. Oh, this is fun. Why does okay. everyone hate people here? Um, It's okay. I can take it. What do you mean you can take it? I, I can take it. Damn it. I'm starting Emily. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I'm benching uh, meat because he's got seniority on Tanner. And T-Bone, I love T-Bone, but he's the youngster. He's got to wear it. We're cutting him. And I'll see him in about 10 minutes. Yeah, so. you can you can probably, handle that probably one. probably work me out of the show. You can <laughs> handle that one in person with T-Bone. T-Bone T-Bone's got anger issues. Oh. Listen, I hope this guy is listening because uh, we have legends in Carriker and Gibson. And to me, Meat is a legend. Oh. Meat's a legend. I'm going to. Oh, shoot. Sorry, Emily. Is this because <laughs> I called you oh old? My God, the, that, that was glare. the old person one. Yeah, is this I, get I that. called you old? For those of you who don't know, uh, Emily called or... me old earlier oh. today. So, That's a twinkle, uh, Saxy. That means he's getting angry. <laughs> I told you I didn't mean it. So, <laughs> so I'm going with the legend Meat uh, to start. And uh, you can't beat Meat. And so then you look at uh, who I'm going to put on the bench. That's going to be Miss Emily. You're on my team, even though... I thought you were uh, going to cut me. Yeah. T-Bone. T-Bone's <laughs> just getting the cutting. T-Bone. Don't He's you have to be on his like, way in. You have to be 19 to be in this contest or something? Ouch. I think he's 22, but he, he tells us he's 22, but uh, the, that, the face tells That's me he's 13. So fun story about T-Bone. So we went, we were, uh, BK and I were at that Oktoberfest a couple of weeks ago up in St. Charles. It was a really fun event. And Tanner and I were there first because BK got stuck in traffic and we were walking around and kind of taking everything in and we went to buy some beer and I walked up and I said, T-Bone, I'll buy your first round. So we walked up, gave him the money and I said, two beers. And he goes, are these both for you? And I said, no, it's for me and my son. My, my, God, my son. <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, can I see an ID? D and Tanner's like, <laughs> how many times does that happen? I asked him because he just went to Vegas. And I said, did you just get carded everywhere you went in Vegas? He said, yeah, I couldn't even get into a casino. Every time we walked, they asked for your card. Did it say McLovin <laughs> on it? <laughs> Sounds like, it says McLovin. And you're a, McLovin. says you're a heart donor. Is that right? Uh, I, uh, man, tell you what. I'm going to start T-Bone because I love me some T-Bone. Huh. I'm going to bench Emily and I'm going to cut meat. Here's why. I think Meat's going to be a legend in the country music market. Have you wow. heard him? Oh, on, yeah. On, have you heard him on WIL on Friday mornings? Yeah. And look, he's a legend on the sport like, on the, on the sports side with the fast lane. I think he's going to be a legend as the, uh, a country guy soon. Keep an eye out for Meat. 
Yeah, I'll be doing this show sometimes. So you're driving in like about 6 a.m. and you hear meat on the country station and then you hear him wrap up with the fast. No, oh, he's, he's, a stud. he's a stud. He starts and then he's in the country station the next time. It's like, man, this man just doesn't stop. So that's where I'm at with this one. Well, Alex, I think we know Emily's going to be a legend with some certainty that you probably will not be doing the fast lane anytime soon. Very true. Let's see who I've destroyed today. So I've destroyed my partner on BK and Ferrario. Okay. I've, I've destroyed Stalter by sitting him and I took down meat. Yep. Yeah, it'll stay away. One, one more, Emily, before uh, somebody comes in here and punches me in the face. All right, all right, let's see. Can we include Ryder in this one? Like, one's got to go, you cut Ryder out or something? He's not even listening. Okay. So. He never listens to me. All right, we'll do a fun one. From the 314, start one, bench one, cut one. Frozen pizza rolls, frozen bagel dogs, frozen mini bagel pizzas. Oof. What are bagel dogs? I've never had one of those. I guess it's a hot dog with a bagel sort of baked like around Like a corn it, dog? I'm guessing. Sure. Is the hot dog in the middle? Yeah, it's a corn. I've never heard them called bagel dogs before. Have any of you? Yeah, only because of the kids. <laughs> oh, I guess. That's oh, you have, do you have a pack that. of frozen bagel dogs in your freezer? We right get now? like frozen every combination you can think of. <laughs> okay. Something dog bagels. So cats. you're an expert. You start us <laughs> off. You going bagel dog? Well, actually, I I don't know. Um, well, I guess I do know what a bagel pizza is. I was going to say that I'm starting all three. <laughs> I'm not hungry. benching or cutting. Not any any of those. those are yeah. all goats. Yeah, can I, can I start carb heavy, but well, What about the uh, the pizza rolls? I'm a big pizza roll guy, but uh, you got to get some decent ones. You can't get the... Yeah. So you get the Wolfgang Puck? Frozen. Yeah, you got to get nice ones, and you can't get the little bitty guys that just get stuck in your teeth. So um, I'm going to go ahead and I don't have that problem, JR. start the uh, rolls. I'm going to put the bagel pizza on the bench and I am going to cut those dogs those when I see my kids eat those corn dogs oh, oh really oh. oh man I love me some corn dogs I don't what do you got I don't, think, I don't think you can digest them <laughs> probably just, not you just, just swallow kind of them whole. the rest of your life and swallow them they, whole. they stay right where they go like a, like a piece of gum oh. pretty much yeah or a maraschino cherry <laughs> I'm cutting the bagel dog that just sounds disgusting I'm starting the pizza rolls in fact, I could use one right now. I wouldn't mind Amen a couple pizza that. rolls. And then what was the other one? Be- bagel, bagel bites. Pizza, bagel bites? Yeah, I'll bagel. bench that. I'll bench that. You're hungry. You want some carbs. You know, you, you, you'll grab a bagel. See, I'm starting the uh, the bagel dog, boys. I love Ooh. me some nice corn, mini corn dogs. Dip them in some ranch dressing. Oof, watch out now. I'll sit or bench. I told you I'm going to butcher the segment. I'll bench the bagel bites, and I'll cut the pizza rolls. I hate pizza rolls. There's nothing worse than biting into a pizza roll and it burning the top of your mouth. They do do that. You're it's right. Yeah. And, like, I'm not about That's a food true. that I have to cut open and let it cool down before I eat. Yeah, and nothing worse about going through the next three hours of your life with a burn in yeah. your a upper... third-degree burn from the pizza. Yeah. It's you like just, eating... I couldn't wait 24 right. seconds. <laughs> it's cool. like eating Captain Crunch cereal, and you're, like, bleeding from the mouth as you're eating it. Like, what is the purpose of this? But it's it supposed to be delicious. to eat it hot. Yeah, and your milk's all red from all the blood coming out of your mouth. How's that for an image for you this morning? What a segment when Bob Gibson and Bagel Bites are in the same... Uh, <laughs> and we have to think about them and with equal yeah, weight and taking all the consideration into it hey attention scott air force base join the fast lane next thursday october 14th for a special military appreciation live broadcast from two to six o'clock for service members their families and anyone currently on base it's a special fast lane military appreciation live broadcast next thursday from two to six at scott air force base it's brought to you by budweiser and air comfort service heating and cooling with jeremy rutherford and mark saxon i'm alex ferrario emily butcher here as well it's time for You're Killing Me Smalls next here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
With Jeremy Rutherford and Mark Saxon filling in for Carriker and Smallman, I'm Alex Ferrario. They will be back with you tomorrow here on Carriker and Smallman. Emily Butcher here as well. It's time for your Killing Me Smalls, and we got some audio, some stories to get into with this, but we got to start with this one, fellas, because Emily told us that she got a text on the Air Comfort Service text line that desperately needs our advice for your Killing Me Smalls. Yeah, so about, let's see, uh, 20 minutes ago, we got a text that says, Hi, Emily, we'll take your advice or any of the others. Schedule the date for Wednesday night without thinking. No idea if she likes baseball. What do I do? This one from Braden and the 941. Are we sure this isn't Tanner? Are we sure this isn't T-Bone? Is this <laughs> no, the start? He had a date. Is this? The- That's oh. true. That's true. It's, uh, he's tried. He's got to get one. We made a bet with him, Saxe. He's got to get a date for BK's wedding on December 11th. Oh, so he's got, That's not he's got no, two months. Not yeah, give him two years and I there's some chance, but two months is hey, before crazy. We get into this. We got to hear what Emily thinks on this. That's one. true. Yeah, Emily, you're the female in this situation. Yeah, so. to, the notion of asking us three about dating yeah. advice. I mean, look at yeah. this. Yeah, that's true. So I'm a, I'm a little biased. I do love baseball, so I would think it's a great date. So let's go with like let's go with a sport that you despise. What would that be? Um, I mean, I don't really despise anything. I don't lacrosse. Really care would you for go to a football? I don't. Really, I mean, it's not my favorite. I guess. Okay. Um, I, unless she's explicitly stated, like, I hate sports, they're boring, I don't care for them, then I think it's a good date. I mean, it's it's something to entertain you, and it's something where you can talk through it, and, you know, yeah, I, 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 think that's, I think that's a fine date, unless she's explicitly stated, I hate sports, I'm against going to a sporting event, I think that's fine. It's hard, it's hard to hate baseball as like a date right like you're not going if you're going on a date you're not going to watch the game you're going to converse and talk with each other in my opinion anything that's not the movie theater is a good first date absolutely i never understood taking people to movies on a first date like we're gonna go to the movie theater and not talk to each other and awkwardly sit here you watch the movie when you go on a date? Well, JR oh, didn't oh, did okay. have the opportunity to go and make out in JR the back seats. only went to drive-ins, <laughs> and he had his I told move. You I'm from Arnold. Emily said he you rolled, his move. too. He would wait did until the credits the, rolled, then he'd make his move. did JR do the yawn and the arm right. over the shoulder, and then hit her in the nose <laughs> and just kind of starts creeping over. I actually did. Alex, it's funny you say that, because I thought I'd get super romantic. She's now my wife, but when I was trying to track her down, uh, we did one of those chariots downtown with the horse and the white buggy and everything. Oh, yeah. And I went with the arm move, so I'm doing it here. The arm goes up, the elbow conked her in the head nice. with the elbow. Like a right cross, right to the jaw. <laughs> she just jumped, did you, Mike Tyson did you just jump off the carriage and be like, I'll see you later? I'm After like, she came to, what yeah. did you do? <laughs> all, the, all the emotion, like, hey, I'm doing the right thing here, and then you know, then you knock her in the head, right? right? And she's got a black eye, and you're like, oh, now all of a sudden, $120 wasn't worth it. Well, that's your story that you were just... <laughs> Nothing better than a first date smelling horse manure the entire time, am I right? <laughs> okay, so, yeah. here's a crazy... What's the gentleman's name who texted in? Braden. Braden. Tanner. Here, oh, Tanner. Tanner, here's <laughs> a Tanner. small piece of advice. How about getting to know the woman well enough to know whether she'd have any interest in going to bed? Like, like stalk her a Facebook crazy account? Thought. Yeah, just it like... It could be a first date. It could, it could be, be but don't you usually have like a phone conversation at least before? Nobody talks like, on the phone do? anymore. I'm, I'm guessing, oh, yeah. I'm guessing it's old man and me came out in 2021. So it's probably it's probably something like Tinder or Bumble, one okay. of the dating apps. This is totally Tanner. Is. This is totally Tanner. Is that's there a no messaging shame? That's what a lot of part people, of that. 
Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's do all you it is. like baseball? That's all you got to do. Can't you just send Maybe you could like TikTok dance and find out if she likes baseball. Sexy, we're so old. We don't know how they communicate. They'll probably go to the game, sit next to each other, and text each other. Right. <laughs> also very true. Also very true. Or talk on Twitter and like, <laughs> read, retweet each other. <laughs> so let's get into a couple of storylines. Hopefully that helped. Uh, Brayden, uh, probably not because you asked the three of us. Go with Emily's advice. That's go with Emily's advice. I think advice. it's a good In day. In general. I think it's a yeah. good day. If it's between us and Emily, go with Emily. <laughs> go with Emily's opinion, yes. All right, first one for your Killing Me Smalls. Yesterday it was the final game for Mike Shannon. JR, I know you had a little um, opinion on this one, but before we get to that, let's hear a little from Shannon because they had a pregame ceremony on the field, uh, and this was, a, this was a really cool video to watch. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're the reason we're all here. You're the fans. You've made it so nice for you. Man, I watched that video yesterday, and my wife must have been cutting onions at the time because that was tough. Like, that was tough to watch him do that. Like, I've been around Mike Shannon a few times when I worked at Camel X and was at the, the Live at Shannon's, and, like, he's always... He's always such a I'm trying to think of the, the the right word. Like he's always such a a, a stern individual, mm-hmm. right? Like he's mm-hmm. always he's always happy or he's always positive and he's always laughing. I don't think I've ever seen an emotional Mike Shannon before. That was intense. Just amazing. And you know, I want to focus on that. Like that's that's Mike Shannon. That's what I think he meant and he realizes and knows that he means as much to the community and the baseball organization as as a lot of people, a few people in this uh, history. But I think that when you look at things like I was saying earlier in the show, if a guy works 35, 40, 45 years at dial soap and maybe the last couple months of driving that forklift, you know, he couldn't get the package back in the corner in the warehouse. Do you really come out and say, gosh, he, that last couple months, boy, he really couldn't organize that warehouse. No, you, you celebrate the guy's career and, and right. whatever it was. And I think that's what everyone should have been focused on. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, that's how it should be. But for so, you know, for some people, it, it isn't like that. But you have a chance. Like, think, think how crazy that is. When I was seven, eight years old, I was listening to this guy. Now yeah. my kids, when they're seven or eight, they're listening to this guy. That's an incredible connection over generations. So to me, Mike Shannon is kind of like, uh, he's a local icon. He's kind of, he may not, like, if you put his stuff out there. It may sound a little homerish to a national audience or whatever. He's a little bit like a Hawk Harrelson. Remember when he retired in in Chicago a few years ago? He's an icon, so let's celebrate that. This is not the moment to take shots at whether, you know, he knows, um, you know, Trevor, uh, Trevor Simeon's stats or whether he knows Trevor's story, exactly who he is and when they're playing the... He was part of our upbringing in St. Louis. He's a St. Louis figure, right? He's all of us. So I agree with you. Let's let's celebrate that. Let's let's be a little less harsh on each other right. and kind of enjoy enjoy each other a little bit. Yeah, more. look, and I know a lot of people were up in arms because they named the broadcast booth after him. It's now mm-hmm. called the Mike Shannon Broadcast Booth, mm-hmm. the Camel X booth at Bush Stadium, and people were saying that it should be the Jack Buck booth and things like that. Opinion, I mean, you can have your opinion on it however you may be, but for 50 years, Mike Shannon has been in that booth. I mean, like you just mentioned. Since 1971, this man has been calling baseball games. And, you know, Jack Buck is always going to be a legend here in St. Louis. He's got a statue outside of Bush Stadium. Everyone knows that name. 
But for the last 50 years, everyone knows Mike Shannon's name, and it kind of makes sense that they went with that because forever it's going to be known as the Mike Shannon Broadcast. And you know booth. who probably wouldn't object to that? Jack Buck. Oh, no. Jack <laughs> Buck would probably be on board with that because they, boy, they had some fun together. Those two did in the broadcast booth. A couple of other ones. Speaking of emotional, yesterday, a couple of uh, end of the season, possibly careers for a couple of individual players. One was Ryan Zimmerman, first baseman in Washington, as he didn't play last season because of the pandemic. He did come back this season. And more than likely, he's going to retire as a Washington National as they missed the postseason. And then you had Kyle Seeger, who that one was an emotional one as well, which might be the end of his time in Seattle as he walked off the field in front of fans. They missed the playoffs and he was holding third base with tears in his eyes. Every time you see that at the end of the season, there's always somebody that you sit there and you say, man, that's going to suck for that individual having to walk off like that, Saxy. Yeah, I guess that locally, that's going to be Matt Carpenter, right? Whenever this Cardinal season ends, he'll be that guy. I mean, he's the because Wainwright's coming back, Yachty's coming back, um, so he'll be that guy. But I, yeah, it is kind of uh, that's the crazy thing about any of these sports deals when you get in the postseason, you don't know when they're going to end, and so it's like this awkward thing when it, even if the team loses in Game Seven of the World Series, right? They kind of probably went into that game thinking they were going to win, so now you've got this awkward. They're all saying goodbye to each other, and the I always found that a little bit kind of strange, yeah, and eerie in a weird way because it just comes on so suddenly yeah finally speaking of the seattle mariners emily if we have this call from uh from dave sims their play-by-play man it went viral yesterday uh his final call for the seattle mariners and it sucks that this team missed the playoffs yet the base is loaded bowers well fouled down the third baseline biggest pitch of the year here for the mariners three and two bases loaded c-shack the pitch It was fun watching the video of this scene, the the mind of a broadcaster work as he's thinking when the when the fans <laughs> uh, are enjoying it, he's just sitting there thinking of what he's going to say next. And Curbs tells a story all the time of what he asked Doc Emmer before game seven of the final call. And, you know, Doc in his ways just told him, like, don't do anything. Just say what comes to mind. And Curbs, of course, had that infamous call. So that's uh, today's You're Killing Me Smalls. Jerry, I know you got to get out of here yeah. because you got practice up at Centene. So we'll be keeping close tabs on your uh, Twitter account to find out what the lines look like today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for filling in, JR. Drive safe. Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. Mark Saxon is going to stick around as we cross things over because he is filling in for Danny Mac today. He and BK on Danny Mac with the BK Show. We'll cross things over next year on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time to cross things over as we wind things down here on Carriker and Smallman. A big thank you once again to Jeremy Rutherford and Mark Saxon for sitting in with us today. Carriker and Smallman will both be back tomorrow, and I'm sure plenty of stories from their Green Bay Packers game on Sunday. I'm sure, did you see the video, Saxy, of them on Twitter? I did not, Carriker but I'm dying to see that. walking through the tailgate, and Smallman was videotaping, and of course he had his Packers gear on, but he had a Cardinals green hat, okay. which that's what I love about Randy, man. He always represents St. Louis no matter where he goes. Did you hear yeah. this? 
song playing in the background. No, I didn't. It's his All I Do Is Win song that he plays when <laughs> oh, he wins that the his fight. Song? Yeah, he plays that when he wins the fight. God bless that man. Randy that has the, like Al a Davis. theme song. He, he has two sounders he plays when he wins the fight. It's the Just Win Baby and the All I Do Is Win. All I Do Is Win. That's yeah. DJ Khaled. Mm-hmm. Look at you, big sexy. DJ Khaled. Yeah. Look at you, sexy. What? DJ Khaled just referenced in the middle of the show. I have a high school-aged son and a middle school-aged son. I, I would not have known. You're all that. in the DJ Khaled <laughs> yes, sense I, right now. I, Again, back to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse <laughs> for this guy. That's all I got these days in my head. So, Saxy, I know you're coming up with BK, uh, filling in on the Danny Mac shows. Danny Mac is off today before the Cardinals and Dodgers game. We've talked a lot about it. You guys are going to get a lot into it as well. What's an area that you're really focused in on on that matchup, Cardinals and Dodgers? I just think it's fascinating when you have probably the best team in a league against the hottest team in a league. It's like that immovable force and an immovable object, however that right. phrase goes, which I'm <laughs> sure I just butchered it. But I do it all the time. I mean, being hot at this time of year is very important. We saw that 2008 Colorado Rockies, that incredible run they went on you know the the Indians in 2017 a similar path but I'm sure in the next hour we are just going to drill down on Cardinals baseball man me and BK are going to just break it down we're going to get deep in analysis because I feel like that's what Danny Mac does you know I listen to him a lot too and I want to honor kind of that spirit of the show like he's he really does he just knows it so well and he's willing to explore all these different options he listens to other people's perspectives so I think it'll be kind of like that for Cardinals fans it's just going to be let's break this game down Mm -hmm. let's see exactly you know all of the specific matchups um but it you know it is it's going to be incredible you know viewing i think wednesday night you I, see some of these storylines i love how cardinals nation goes saxy and i mean look i i've been i was born and i grew up here yeah. but like with cardinals baseball there's no time for celebration right mm-hmm. like you went you get into the playoffs and it's like okay well let's focus on making sure we're ready for the playoffs then you finish the season all right what's this matchup look like Max yeah. Scherzer let's nail it down because yeah. Cardinals fans want to know every detail because they're so intelligent about it if you win Wednesday it's not oh yeah we beat Max Scherzer and the Dodgers it's okay now it's the Giants what do we got to do to beat the Giants and then it's the the next series and then it's the World Series but if the season ends it's not so much of, well, let's look back. It's let's get into the offseason. Let's get into the nitty-gritty. There's no sitting around waiting. It's a matter of, nope, we got to fix this right now. And that's why this Cardinals fan base always demands so much. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. You're 100% right. I have a buddy of mine who we were talking about this 17-game winning streak, and I said, can you believe that? Aren't you, isn't that making you excited again? And he goes, you know what? I'm not even thinking about this year. I just think it bodes well for next year. Right. It's a really bright spot. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> you're not enjoying the moment because you're thinking about next year already? Right. So there's a little bit of both. Like, I, I wish people could kind of live in the moment a little bit and enjoy it, but you're right. That does speak to the intensity of the fan base because the minute that game when, ends on Wednesday, win or lose, it's going to be about how does that, what does that tell us about the next, What's the next step, the next game, mm-hmm. whether that game is Friday or that game is spring training, next April, right? Exactly. So that tells you how locked in people are. It's not something where you take the winner off and right. say, I'll, I'll see you in April and we'll see what kind of team we got. Speaking of Danny Max, actually, before we wrap, wrap up, how about his call yesterday? We played it to open up the show, but Tommy Edmonds home run. He did the get up, baby, get up for Mike Shannon. Oh, is that really awesome? Oh my God. Yeah, Danny Mac is, is is one of the greatest. For the same reason Dave Sims that you just played, he doesn't like – you can tell he's not sitting there thinking about what should I say if this happens. He rides the, the, the wave mm-hmm. with the – he surfs that wave, man. He's like – he. 
the excitement that the crowd generates and the, the organic kind of thing, he's mm-hmm. on that and he just reacts to it in an honest way. And that comes across. Saxy, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for filling in. This is awesome. We, we may not have been the, be- the best looking group of uh, hosts, but I feel like we got it done. The Thanks best for having takes. Me. That's all that matters. By the <laughs> way, Tanner's walking down the hallway and he looks really angry. Ooh, ooh, so shoot. Saxy, I'm going to let you handle that because, you know, you guys did all cut him in this game. Uh, is there any way I can hide no. maybe under the desk? BK, I got to get out of here too before BK comes because I cut him in this one. Emily, great show today. Thank you so much for all your work. Thank you. Absolutely. There you go. Emily Butcher, Mark Saxon for Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Alex Ferrario. Carriker and Smallman will be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. But the Danny Mac Show with BK. Saxy filling in next here on 101 ESPN. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.